Previously on Potific Weekly. I think Goblet of Fire, the director must be going, you have to shout at Harry! And Michael Gamba's like, okay! What the hell is happening with Daniel Radcliffe? Um, he's shrinking. No. <laughs> I swear he's, he's shrinking! Do you remember when we all used to say that luckily these three kids are completely normal? Normal. <laughs> now, like, all I know from the last year knowing you people, and I would never know this if not for you people, is that Emma Watson doesn't wear underwear, Rupert Grit has swine flu, and Dan Radcliffe dresses like a... Like, I don't even know what he dresses like. like a transvestite. It's just like, what the hell is he wearing? Well, with the well, hair of Rudy Giuliani. <laughs> well, he's obsessed with trannies. Didn't you read that article? Yeah! <laughs> I told you, Harry wears knickers. Ethereal redeems. Let's not go there. Right. I refer to baseball as the one with the hoops. Was this going somewhere? Yes. And I bought them bribery food and magazines. And I got them these like little magazines. And of course, they've all got Harry Potter plastered all over them. So one of them comes with this little pen that's like a, a wand. It says Harry mm-hmm. Potter one, but it looks actually like Hermione's. Anyway, so my son <laughs> grabs that one. I get him this stuff to calm him down. And my son is running around going, I've got a Harry Potter wand. Stupefy, 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 stupefy. I'm like, yeah, that didn't calm them down and make them quiet at all. <laughs> I almost punched an old lady this week. And we're playing the Half-Blood Prince game. Can you accurate this for me? I can't get out. You've got to play Quidditch. I can't catch the snitch. I'm like, I can't catch the stupid snitch either. I moved everything I own 27 feet to the south, which you would think would take 10 minutes. It took like 17 days and I dropped a TV. Ow. Yeah. It didn't break the TV though. I have a little dent in the top of it now. The um, flat screen or like an old-fashioned real TV? It's not a um, LCD. LSD. <laughs> LSD. Thank you. Thank you. That was nice. We never heard from Mike again. We don't know how that went. So we'll, check that next week. well, I've been a little bit hyperactive this week. I have a question about dropping balls. I may have missed something in my sex ed. It's actually referring to something as well. Okay. Mike, had to deliver the baby in 78. You want to take the, the missing ball? Well, obviously, how, yeah. how do I know this? It has to do with animals. It doesn't have to do with humans. How am I the one that knows this when I've never seen a farm animal? Mike is about to give us his expertise with testicles. <laughs> I'm afraid. Me too, too. Should I be expecting for them to drop for my son as he goes into puberty? I am disturbed that, that there would be parents who are checking their son's testicles at puberty. Maybe he could stick his hand down there and check himself. <laughs> I feel very strongly that one should stop handling the testicles off one's child. <laughs> what are we supposed to have read for tonight? And now, part of it quickly. Hello. 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 It's working. Hello. Hello. Is it working? It is. It's, it's like a Verizon commercial. Can you hear me now? I got a new cell phone, and it now tells me the origin of like where the phone was registered or where the phone is based out of or whatever. So my first phone call I got today, and I'm like, who the hell do I know in California? It's a wrong number. <laughs> you know, I thought about that when I called. This is going to come up San Diego, and he's not going to have a clue. <laughs> Oh my god, my first call is a wrong number. That's tragic. <laughs> I used to have the cheapest phone in the world. They told me it does text messaging and will like call 911 and that's it. So I got a new phone. I got all the bells and whistles on it and I've overbelled and whistled myself. I've turned on everything. I almost crashed my car on the highway because Melinda's mailing list sent out a new digest and I had to read it. Is it beep when it came in? <laughs> hold on, I'm you just sent him an email. Hold on, I have mail. Please hold. Okay, I have a message from Melinda. It's it's Melinda's oh. damn mailing list again. Okay, let's see what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> 
I had to call customer service today with Verizon because I had a question about my phone. The guy talked faster than I did, and he kept, like, trying to anticipate my question before he could ask, and the whole phone call lasted 16 seconds. Excellent! So Mike's not on tonight? Um, I'm not sure. Apparently not. Well, he thinks he's on. He's on the schedule. Is he on the schedule? He's on the schedule. Maybe Ryan's going to call him. Okay, Mike's in then. Mike, are you actually hitting your microphone? Mike dropped his computer again. <laughs> he's wrestling like music, Mike. Mike. Hello? <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> it's it's going to be one of those nights, isn't it? It's There are no words for this. <laughs> Rolling down the biggest hill ever, Mike. Those cockroaches Mike? are... Hello? Uh, okay. <laughs> Mike, cockroach. I'm sorry, we didn't hear you, you come here? in. Don't worry. Mike, you're still alive. Good. <laughs> Hello? Can you hear me? No, we can't hear oh, you. We hear, can know you're hear us. Let <laughs> me restart this. I don't think I hear anyone. Goodness <laughs> <laughs> gracious. I'm the utility pole to use the phone. Mike's like beating it over Just the desk. Five windows. <laughs> oh, guy's talking to himself. <laughs> yeah, he's got like 30 windows open. Mike wants back yes. in. Mike, you, Mike, can you hear me? Mike. Mike. There's this headset not plugged in. Is there a chat window here or something we can open up? Can you hear me? He probably has it on, like, mute. Someone could tell me. <laughs> he has a lot of faith that we can actually hear him. So <laughs> I'm talking to him. You're talking to Okay. The Shut sound's up. working. I thought maybe the sound was working. <laughs> uh, I love how he's yeah. monologuing. I hear the AIM sounds. When I send it You've taught him well. I see a little line. It says Windows default advice. And there's a little green line going up and down. Yeah. Can you imagine hey, being... I, no, he's text, almost there, actually. Can you imagine being the tech support guy who is like 458, <laughs> and you're like, I'll take one more call before I go home, and it's Mike on the other end. You have to talk him through something. <laughs> you all know who works in offices. 458, the phone rings. You're like, ooh. Maybe it's someone asking what our Let fax number is. start my whole computer, and I think that'll help. No. No, no, no. It, it, Mike, it's not going to there's a cockroach in it. That's the problem. <laughs> no, Mike, type to me. They are talking. There's also one that's a loudspeaker, which is currently set to Sigma Tell Audio, and was set to Windows Default second before that. you people. She's like, hey. My favorite person. Mike? Hi, Mike. <laughs> oh, it's good to know he likes you, Sue, because he could say that Sue's a bitch, not thinking you can hear her. Don't touch a computer. Don't ever touch a computer. Oh, one of those people who has to check things obsessively before I throw them out. 
like they might be broken, but I have to double check. So I plugged my headset in because I wanted to listen to my Michael Jackson CD because I was feeling a bit melancholy because, you know, he like he died. Yeah, and really. the kids were awake. <laughs> really? And, um, <laughs> Sorry. In case you didn't know, Michael Jackson's dead. Anyway, Hell over and dead. I plugged it in and, and like it worked. And like I got so excited, I sent an email to I'm Ryan at work. And you know what? It's a long weekend in the United States. No one panic. (laughs) (laughs) Don't worry, Mike. We're not. This is going to be the coolest podcast, too. I think we should just have Mike do the whole podcast like this. We'll just talk about it. Did he just say no one panic? (laughs) Daddy's leaving. I'll be back in a minute. Oh my god, it's nice to know that while she is no longer here, she has passed off her ability to talk while other people are talking that you can't hear. That's it. So, so I said Ryan, I said Ryan an email, my headset works, everything's great, it's wonderful, and I got an answer straight away. I was so excited, and it was like an out-of-office auto-reply, like, I am not here, because we are happy off and I'm like, you bastard, you're not there. Well, I gave you a phone anyway. number you could call, I forgot the country code in. <laughs> I, mean, I have a new phone that beeps every time I get an email now, so I'm accessible at all hours. Like, you can email me during this podcast, you will hear the damn beep. Awesome. <laughs> I hear you. Mike. Yay. Mike, can I say you sounded like you were rolling down a hill for half an hour. How tight is your headset? <laughs> what was that? Nothing like I believe my exact words were flying instant. How many zoos do you have? How many zoos do we have? Australia Zoo, Brisbane, Dubbo, Sydney, Taronga Park, Monato, Darwin, Melbourne, Adelaide, Perth. I'm up to nine, so we have a lot. Um, San Diego Zoo. <laughs> New, there's the Zoo. Mike, the... are you broadcasting from Neptune? <laughs> no, I, I am the cockroach for your apartment. Maybe that's what the difference is. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. Are you sure, Mike? Because I was really sure there was a cockroach there at some point earlier when you tried to set this thing up. It sounded like a herd of them. No, I, if there had been a cockroach, I would have run up the door. You wouldn't have seen me again tonight. <laughs> that's I thought we had. That would be great. The cockroach then podcasts. I would have called Jen if there was a cockroach. She sees me when they come. Yeah, then I would have had to admit my phobia of biscuits. Biscuit cans again. <laughs> <laughs> What's a biscuit can? What's a biscuit can? You know the things that you have, like the cookies in the supermarket, and you twist them to get the top off? Yeah. Well, you you know, no. Biscuit load, poppin' fresh no. dough, you don't have that? No. Yeah, I know. I wasn't sure if you meant People are talking or... a foreign language. You don't have biscuits that come in, like, cans in the refrigerated <laughs> section, and then you come home and you no. peel the paper off and they explode? No. no. Seriously? Yeah, I don't Mike no. Mike understands you, Gentoo. I want to just repeat, Mike understands you. <laughs> Let me look at the picture. They give me the willies. Ooh, the biscuits are fine. I just can't. Ooh. I don't like them either. I, I'm not afraid of them, but I don't like them because I don't like them when they explode. Yeah, because you just never know. Why when would they expo- who, who would make something that explodes? Well, what happens is, is you peel the paper off and then you're left with okay. cardboard that's spiraled. And you're supposed to take the cardboard and twist it or you're supposed to whack press, it on something. Press a spoon you- to the seam, like a spiral seam, and then it's supposed to just kind of pop open and then you yeah. unroll it and 
and oh the God, biscuits are explain what a biscuit can is. <laughs> well, I only just opened. They look disgusting. I'll All have I you know. The other end of the room was like a Keza-style chipmunk. I'm a bit hyper. I'm very excited at the moment. For Friday, October 9th, 2009, this is episode 90 of Potterfic Weekly. Welcome to the place where the story never ends. Oh, will there ever be again a podcast quite like this? One brought us together and started its own forum list Where the hosts are all our friends All the stories told by Jen Will it drive Ryan round the bend? Part of it weekly where the story never ends. Mm-hmm. Welcome back to Perfect Weekly, episode 90. This is Ryan. I'm Kesa. I'm Jen, too. Mike. This is Death Roll. And I'm Sue. We are here tonight for episode 3 of our coverage of the Psychic Serpent trilogy by Barb. We are covering chapters 24 through the epilogue of the first part of the trilogy, the Psychic Serpent. And we each have read the chapters at some point. I read the chapters about two years ago because I am moving crap into my basement and did not have time to do a thorough reread. And Keza read all the chapters a few minutes ago. She has some questions about testicles. And we're going to see how much I remember over what Keza remembers, even though she read them moments ago. But Keza, you know, has other things on her mind. I this had the best week ever. I thought that I was witnessing the great civil war chasm between Gen 2 and Keza. <laughs> Earlier this week, I'm talking to Keza. And Keza's like, I'm very upset with Gen 2. And like, oh god, the world is ending. What is wrong with Gen 2? I'm typing to her and she's not typing back. Like, well, she may just not be there. Later this week, Gen 2, I am very upset with Keza. Keza. I'm like, oh god, the world is ending. Now I'm that guy who, like, the two people come to him to talk about the other one, but I can't tell them I know the other one is coming. What's wrong? She got tickets to the movie. She's going to see the movie before me. She was going to see the movie before you anyway. She's from the future. Future. <laughs> you know that contest I was entering and it spawned the whole thing and Mike tried to call me on my mobile from America and I nothing remember, happened. I and I was talking about snail mail. And I told her just to enter, 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 enter until she yeah. you know, ran out of stamps. And everyone's like, no, whenever wins those things, I'm like, yeah, I'm not winning. So I put in like six or seven entries and it's just you put your name, address and phone number on a piece of paper and send it in. And everyone's mocking me, you know, I entered the competition, it's now, blah, 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 blah. It's not even a I wasn't mocking you. I didn't mock well, you. I didn't mock you. I crossed my fingers for you. You can't keep mocking. She's the head of Hufflepuff. Mr. Kessler mocked me from here to eternity. He thought it was the most ridiculous thing he'd ever seen. I went out and bought stamps because, you know, I never post anything anymore. Went out and bought stamps to enter this competition. Anyway, what I did was I booked tickets to the very first session that I could get because I didn't want to miss out because no one ever wins these things, right? And then these envelopes come in the mail, and I thought it was from the tickets that I booked. And it's like 3.30 in the afternoon, and no one is online, and I open them up. 
competition. I win this competition. You're bringing Rosella, right? No, well, see, I'm not taking Rosella. On behalf of everyone, I'd just like to say my hand. You ruined my life. It's 4.30 in the afternoon and no one is awake and I'm like scanning the list. There was one random person on a way or not available. It's like and Bob Cam <laughs> Yeah, I find Kismet and I'm like, are you awake? Because I'm like staring at this past going, I don't believe it. Did you wake her up? And she's like, no, because my headset wasn't working at the time. See, this is the other thing. You know how my headset died and I was crying and I can't afford another one because I had to buy the kids' shoes, you know. I want to buy stamps to enter the contest. I had to buy stamps. So I couldn't call Kismet. So I'm like typing frantically. She's like, I'm here, I'm here. She's like, all calm. She's talking to Robert from Spellcast and someone from like Hogwarts Radio. And I'm like, like what's Hogwarts? Radio, and like then the person who runs Hogwarts Radio is like distressed because I've never heard of them. Hold on, <laughs> are they cool. still making spellcasts? <laughs> no way! I'm going, Robert? Who's Robert? She's like, you know, spellcast Robert. I'm like, oh, Robert. And then she's like, Terrence, you know, Terrence from Hogwarts Radio. I'm like, no. <laughs> so she ditched them for like five minutes to run around the room with me going, ah! Because we're very excited. But she had to take the full brunt of my squealing because she was the only one online because the rest of you were sleeping. But, see, you didn't tell them how you taunted me. Oh, yes, I did. I then taunted Jen too. That wasn't probably my finest hour. You're quasi-evil. She taunted me with the tickets. <laughs> I, she didn't. Said, I didn't. You did. You did. She sent me a little, like, sad face in the Skype, and she said, you know, if you were here, the ticket would be yours. Don't lie to me. I was talking to Rosella. She asked me who you're going with. And I said, oh, well, you know, Mr. Kez is coming. And she's like, I bet if Gen 2 and you lived in the same place that Gen 2 would be going. And I'm like, oh, yeah, she would drug him and hide the body to get that spare ticket. <laughs> <laughs> you are so dead on. She couldn't believe that my husband could get this above her. She's like, I can't believe you wouldn't give it to me. Why? 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 But no, I didn't mm. taunt Gen 2 because no. I'm actually really sad because because I would love to see this movie with Gen 2. But she lives in freaking India. <laughs> <laughs> I just, now she's going to, she's going to see it two whole days before me. It, no, this happened to me. This happened to me. She, she's she's going to taunt me. She's going to taunt me. No, I won't boy. be able to talk to no, her. That, no, she, no, this happened to me with Goblet. Because with Goblet, Danielle and I are the Harry Potter fans. So we were, we were, we weren't living together at the time. We were going to, we had a date to go see Goblet. And we were very excited. She's the one who gave me Harry Potter. She's the reason I'm here. And about, I think three or four days before we were going to go, I couldn't reach her on the phone and I finally got through. I'm like, oh, where were you? Oh, my brother took me to see Harry Potter. You're evil. Oh. And it's like he likes it, but he likes it for the special effects, and that's it. Oh, I've got to tell you this story. Mr. Kessler and I met on the phone, right? I was living in Melbourne, and he was in Sydney, and he knew my flatmate, and she left her number because she wanted him to call her, but he called up, and she was at work, and he got on the phone to me and decided that he liked me, and, you know, now we're married, so it's all good. <laughs> anyway, it was when Titanic came out, right? And I hadn't been to see Titanic, and so we're on the phone, and he's like, okay, well, you come up to Sydney, and I'll pay for your bus ticket and we'll go and see Titanic because you have to see Titanic in the movie and my flatmate's sitting there going that's what I said you have to see it it's such a fantastic movie and I'd been like no nah, I don't want to see it see this hyped you know it's rubbish and so he's like we have to go see it I'll take you to see it I'm like okay so I'm getting on an overnight bus trip to go on a date to the movies right this is, <laughs> this is I'm what's glad happening. you married him and had three wonderful children because <laughs> anyone who takes a bus ride to see Titanic 
Well, here, see, here's the kicker. We planned it. Meanwhile, my flatmate, who's been to see Titanic twice already, is like, no, no, it's going to be off the screen by the time you get there. You have to come and see it on the big screen. It won't be the same. You'll have to watch a different movie on your date because it will not be in the cinemas anymore. And I will, you must come now to see Titanic with me right now. And I'm like, oh, well, but you know. And she's like, no. So we go and see Titanic. So then I have to ring her up and go, ah, oh, well, you know how I'm coming and you sent me the bus ticket money and I'm like coming for like on a 12-hour trip to see you, you know, interstate, to see this movie. And I kind of already have seen it, you know. <laughs> so we went to the zoo instead. And I come back and my flatmate's like, oh, so what did you do on your date? I'm like, oh, well, we went to the zoo instead. She's like, oh, everybody I know who goes to the zoo on their first date gets married. <laughs> She's like Trelawney or something. <laughs> I win this competition. Yeah, I don't and think I can remember anything of the fic. <laughs> exactly. Did someone say Draco Malfoy? I don't believe Draco's story about Ginny. I don't trust him at all. I do not buy his story. Hold on, wait a minute. You don't wait, trust what? Draco? This what? is a new one. Trust. This is Hey, new. hey, there's lines you don't cross. He crossed the line. In this story, I like Draco from canon, but in this story, I cannot approve of what he did to Ginny, and I don't buy his story at all. That's like the commonest. She backed it up. She I still don't buy it. How often do you see that happen? She's happens pissing in him at the end of the fic. Even I remember that. She could that be thing. under the Imperious curse. No, no, it, it, she's an abuse victim. I don't buy it at all. That wasn't acting. Look how upset she was. She made Harry Carrier and things. She was, no, I, I don't buy that was acting for a minute. Jumping starting, to the middle of this. Interesting starting middle. point. Well, I read the thing two years ago and I'm like, oh my. All right. Well, you know, if you really want to find out the real truth about that, you're going to have to wait like 37 more podcasts until we get to the triangle prophecy stuff. So it all becomes, <laughs> it, all, it all becomes clear. When is Ginny's Is 15 the legal age of consent in England? It's 16 in Massachusetts. I don't know. I anymore. thought it was 16 in in England. Apparently, apparently it's 15 because they're a year earlier because they're witches and wizards. Yeah, it could just be something as simple. Oh, all right. Because it's 18 and then 17 in the wizarding world, right? That old chestnut. Well, I have never met a couple of teenagers ever, regardless of whether or not they can do magic. I have never met people staring at the clock saying, am I 15 yet? Am I 15? Am I 15? Whenever I read, actually, no, uh, backward with purpose. Isn't Ginny actually staring at the clock with Harry? Yes. Yeah, I mean, like, it's just, I don't know. I've never seen that happen before. Well, see, but what I don't understand is, okay, it's the age of consent. Was there some awful, terrible thing that would, like, tidal wave or tornado or massive chasm in the earth that would open if they did it before 15. <laughs> yes. His gigantic <laughs> banana would rot and fall off. Oh, God. Not the giant banana. I thought we barely... Hey, it's in the fit. Yes, we have no bananas. We have no bananas today. It is in no the fit. All right, now I have. I'm glad Death Roll is here. I have not now. I have not felt this bad for Ron Weasley since Death Roll was the author. <laughs> like it's like even going through the chapters, it's like Harry gets Ron's girlfriend. Harry beats him at chess. Ron gets erectile dysfunction. Ron is getting on of it. It's like down the line. Well, I'm grateful Harry's at least noticing. Oh, this is not good. 
Oh, this is not good. Oh, this is well, and, it, and, and unfortunately, it just only gets worse for poor Ron, and I'm not going to say anything more than that because I've just been – I got sucked into this, and I've been reading, reading, reading. But Ron just really gets the shaft in this whole thing. Well, let me just recap for a second because I wasn't in the last podcast. All right, now, when I put the story on the podcast, I hadn't read it in years. It was I read it you know, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, even though I'm not a Star Wars fan. I know that much. And I, I always get nervous when I do that. I put Lavender Brown on the podcast and I put this one on. I always get nervous because remember when you were like five and you loved that movie and then it comes out on DVD when you're 30 and you buy it and it's crap and it like ruins the whole experience for you. I'm basically watching it with all of you people. So if it's bad, not only am I going to like lose my childhood, you're all going to think I like crap. <laughs> I'm like, very nervous. It will, um, um, Why is Mike a hemming me? Like, I'm bridge. What, what, Mike? <laughs> Do you want to tell me? And we'll... uh, the same thing with Rena. Like, even Rena liked it by the end. I just think Rena's kind of nuts now, but <laughs> whatever. It's, it's always different when you go back and read something. For episode 88, we read the first 10 chapters. And I was like, this is kind of campy. It's different. You know, the style is off. I just read Year of Darkness. It's, it's written in a much different manner, a different flavor. There's tons of description here. Some of it, or a lot of it, superfluous. And, okay, it's a Saturday afternoon movie. It's Independence Day. It's the Russians are coming, whatever you want. It's it's that movie that you watch on a Saturday afternoon that it, it's not going to win You know, the Golden Globes. But it grows on me, and there's stuff that Barb writes that if any other author wrote it, I would be the first person to complain about you know Ron being a stubborn prick or Harry being soul bonded to the Golden Griffin and Omegas is whatever the hell happens. There's <laughs> there's a lot of different you know Hermione in the bikini like there's so much stuff I would just crap over the author for. I don't know why it works here, and I don't know if it's because you know. I just have a soft spot for the story, or if it's just, you know, some confluence of events for the way Barb writes it, or if she's literally paying me off to say this, but it just, it, I like <laughs> it here, and I don't know why, but it's really, it, it, it's entertaining the hell out of me, so that's where I am as of today. I actually like it better now that I'm halfway through the third fic. When I read the first fic, I could have taken it or left it. And then I read the second fic, and I liked it a lot better. And now that I'm reading the third one, I am appreciating the first one a lot more. And you can definitely tell, fic by fic by fic, that her writing gets inordinately better. I don't remember the last fic. I know I've read it, and I don't remember it. What? Yeah, no, we can't spoil. You Stop talking. Stop talking now. I liked Sandy a lot in this. I didn't really get to know her much when I was last podcasting, but she was pretty new. But... She seems a little slow, even for a snake, but I kind of like it. Like she's always, like she's always asking these questions to Harry. She's like, "I had to leave you behind when I went to her mind. Why, Harry? You Sandy so? is a cabbage head. That's the reason. <laughs> Sandy is exposition. Where are we going now, Harry? You see, you see Sandy previously on Psychic Serpent. I Christmas to a golden griffin, and so did you. A golden griffin, Harry. Mike, yeah. how many snakes do you know that you know that she's been slow? <laughs> you're like none other. You're thinking that you're like none other. Just, but his phone is ringing. It's my phone. I'm sorry. Well, oh. Answer it. Could what? be important. 
She's very kind of like, oh shucks, pinch her cheek kind of snake. So I really enjoy her parts. But She's I kind all of shucks, up. pinch her cheek kind of snake. And on behalf of everyone, I'd just like to say my hand. Well, the one thing amusing about Sandy is she has better diction than Hagrid. <laughs> You'd think there'd be an accent or something. I don't know. <laughs> Rubius Hagrid, keeper of keys and grains at Hogwarts. Of course, you know all about Hogwarts. You're a wizard, Harry. Now, who'd like to come and say hello? Hey, why are you a golden griffin? You mean I was part of a griffin, Harry? Harry? She said his, <laughs> said his name in like every sentence. I love Barb that. does that. Did someone say Draco Malfoy? What is Draco's last name? Did anyone reading this story? Is it in, in the fic? Yeah, I don't remember. You make Sandy sound like she's got a learning disability. <laughs> <laughs> well, the question I have is, since when did Crab know how to duel? And maybe it's because I read all of the fics where Crab is dumb as rocks and he can't... Oh, He's a man of action. Oh, 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 I've got to talk about Crab because I spoke about this last week and I'm just like more in love with it than I was before because I finished watching it. The Harry Potter musical thing. The very Potter musical. In that one, Crab and Goyle are just so funny. And Crab never does anything like he just walks around with his little hat going mm, yeah <laughs> you know and Goyle is fantastic I love Goyle in it oh Goyle rule it, it's just reminding me of that and then I watched the behind the scenes video that they put up and the reason is because that the actress who's playing crab she joined the cast like four days before they started <laughs> so like it's probably just as well she didn't have any lines whatever the Harry Potter spoof was I watched a couple of years ago I just realized now that Harry was played by the vicar of Dibley you were expecting a bloke Beard, Bible, bad breath. And instead you've got a babe with a bobcat and a magnificent bosom. But because Sue and I have the same uh, audio reader, Sue, let's give it up for Krabby and Goyle, shall we? Krabby and Goyle, yes. <laughs> I don't know how you guys... Why is this guy rushing? It's also Hedvig. Look, I don't know what that is either, but it's Draco Malfoy, Hedvig. And speaking of crab, Rinna broke some startling news on Puffa this week. He's been growing pot in his bedroom. It could be jailed for 10 years. So crab is in the news today. I, I hope Warner Brothers has enough clout to get him out long enough to film his own death, you know? Well, you know what he'll do? He won't be in the last one, and all yeah. of a sudden, you'll see, like, the very, 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 like, end of the room of requirement, and you'll see little, like, you know, lightsaber battles the other end, and you'll see a little poof. <laughs> Can I just say, like, this is, like, different strokes meets Harry Potter. What's happening to all of these poor child actors? They're growing pot, they're not wearing underwear, they're sleeping with hairdressers, they look like Victorian <laughs> versions of Rudy Giuliani hey, wearing women. Bonnie Wright is looking okay. Thank you, Bob. I love Bonnie Wright, and she's the one everyone always mocks, because, like Jen says, she looks ten. She was ten at the time. The pictures at the premiere, she has the best shoes. I want them so bad. I no, that oh, dress. but they're fantastic. Oh. And I've always liked Tom Felton. Oh, Tom Felton is cute. You know, I didn't know that. Everyone's going on about Tom Felton, and I'm just like, rubbish. What? And then I saw him at the Half-Blood Prince photo call in London. I was like, oh, he is a bit hot. What are you, nuts? More like super mega foxy awesome hot. <laughs> I just have to <laughs> say, Tom Felton twittered me. Brilliant! So, um, I feel bad for Ron. Sandy is very inquisitive. She's kind of like Curious George. 
little bit. Can I just tell you this? I bitched for 17 weeks about Snape and a year like none other, and I made Ward Cleaver comments, and I like this Snape. I think he's entertaining. I think it's different. I think he's not growling as much, and it's probably good for his overbite. Like, am I just losing it, or do I just not care anymore? Or is Barb paying me off? But I just, I enjoy the Snape, and I don't no, I like, I like the Snape too. Yeah, Snape's I, good. Snape he's good. You know, I think the difference is actually, in all honesty, it's the difference between when he's the primary character and when he's more of a secondary character. And because he's not, you know, he's not the center of the entire story. Mm. I think it's a little easier to buy some of the changes. I just have to jump back because I wasn't here last week. Snape in the pensive and the memories of his, what, fifth, sixth, and seventh years of Hogwarts. I felt really bad for him. And I think that scene right there probably did more than make me sympathize with the character than half of what we learned in Deathly Hallows. And I'm not cracking against Joe, but... Like, I think it was just like the, the yeah, image yeah. of I know I am, but I have to say I'm. It's the scene <laughs> where you know he's at the Quidditch pitch and he's got like his head down, his shoulders shrugged, and Lily and James are walking away. And, you know what it is? There's just something about Barb's writing style, and I originally found it simplistic, and I found it geared more towards you know, children and the type of storytelling that just has to explain everything. And I don't know if I think that anymore, but there's 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 something just about her writing style that either insulates her from, you know, my pettiness or just really makes me entertain the story. Dude. You know what I don't like in this story, actually? The news reporter woman. I have no problem with her. I have no major problem with her in terms of how she's written, but just like one of those, like, not badly written dislike, but dislike her as a character dislikes is Hermione. I, I think maybe touches a little bit on what you were saying before about how she treats Ron, but I guess is it unreasonable for me to say that the same thing applies to Harry to an extent too. Freaking pick the person you like and then move on. Like, What right does she have to be like all jealous of uh, you know Ron still? She's 15. But what yeah. right does Harry uh, have to be all jealous over Ginny? Like, he's well, going I, I, over with Hermione. I said Harry, he's too. Hermione, and he's still, like, going, oh, Ginny, you know? I said Harry, too. I said Harry, too. And for that matter, Ron also, because Ron's with, what's her face? Adam Pavardi. And he's lusting after Hermione. They need therapists, all of them. It's like Ron gets insulted, <laughs> so he runs into the common room, like grabs like Parvati over his shoulder and like does his like bangs his chest and runs into the I'm like, oh, um, yeah, it carries her to the stairs, at which point she picks him up and carries him upstairs. <laughs> well, it's nice to know it was consensual. <laughs> One of my favorite moments with Lavender Brown in fanfiction, and I can never remember what the hell thing it is, turns out it's this one, is I always thought it was Hermione, it was Ginny. When Ginny walks over and slaps her in the face and realizes how plain she looks. Like, that's... <laughs> I always like that, because that, there's one of two ways you can go with Lavender. She's either, like, the bravest beauty queen ever, or she's just a bitch. Here, apparently, bitch works. And um, I have a question. And forgive me, anyone listening to this who who may have gone through menopause. Um, what the hell is up with Madame Rosemurtha and her hatred of house elves? <laughs> yeah, seriously, seriously, she's got an estrogen problem. <laughs> They're literally like putting her building out with fire extinguishers. 
distinguishes. Well, she's she doesn't she? I told you to go away. And yeah, see, I told you to get them out of here. <laughs> see, she's probably having a hot flash. And see, when you're having a hot flash, you just turn into a raging bitch, and everything really pisses you off. I think you've gone over to the bad place. I read a thick once where Neville was a prefect from hell. <laughs> and he was a jackass, and he made everyone go to bed at, like, quarter of seven at night. And he, like, <laughs> raided everyone's trunks in, in, in their dormitories to find, like, the Marauder's map or something. And I think eventually, like, Harry and Ron had to sneak out, and they, like, tied them up and left them in, like, one of their trunks. <laughs> and, like, shipped them off on the Hogwarts Express. It was Neville was just a bastard. And I'm like... I wonder what you were looking at in the characterization to draw the conclusion that he would turn into. But I'm like, did was Murtha ever like kick a puppy in the cannon or something? She's a very <laughs> nice woman. She lends broomsticks. She opens her her home to people who want to discuss serious black. And, well, it's, you know, the reason I ask is because you know Draco and, and, and Snape are like spooning, so it's like Barb obviously has. A well, I don't know. I I think she's suffering from vaginal dryness. <laughs> can we say that on the air? Yes, we can. I've decided. <laughs> it's vaginal. I, I, I love I really... the way you say vaginal. That's funny. <laughs> well, if you can Don't say it right. People say vaginal. Is that vaginal? <laughs> no. I say it. As long as it's not virginal, we'll be fine. No. Virginia. Oh, I love the part last yeah. chapters where they have all the du- the dueling um, scores and everything. Alfred. Alfred. No, can I just ask a question? Sue, what yes. did your text reader do when it came time to read the scores? Did you, like, you did Oh, it drove me nuts. I was <laughs> like, please, can I skip this part? Wait, fast forward, fast forward. It was um, Weasley, comma, G. And it was like, oh, Ginny. You know, Weasley, comma, V. Victor? Who the hell is that? Who the hell is this person? And then you're like, oh, Virginia. And it's like, what did you think my name was? Gingivitis? <laughs> I love that. It, it's corny, it's cheesy, and it got a chuckle out of me. Alright, I wrote this down and I don't know why. This is from the last of the chapters. Maybe if you weren't used to it, something as basic as the feeling of your blood flowing through your veins would be painful, he thought. It was all a matter of getting used to things, like the elves getting used to having days off and people in the worst thing world getting used to elves and clothes. There's something there that's just Barb's writing style. She doesn't leave anything to the imagination. She comments on virtually everything that she writes. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. It's actually probably one of the reasons I enjoy the fic, because it's different. And I don't know if it just is something where you can literally turn your brain off and just let her entertain you with the words. I don't know what it is, but there, there, she does that. She she literally takes you from A to B to C to D. And there's points where I'm like, Harry seriously has ADHD in this fic. Because he does. I, I remember whose fic it was that I... I hope it's not Death Rolls. I don't think it was. Um, whose fic was I complaining <laughs> that we weren't getting any... Discre- no, it, no, Death. Death, it was you in the beginning. One of the things I was saying was I didn't know why Harry was thinking certain things in the mm-hmm. beginning of one of your... Oh, of your th- you were picking apart Joe's characterization. Yes, that was it. Thank you. Joe Rowling. She wrote uh, a series of children's novels. Name escapes me. There was, like, <laughs> Harry like, Trotter or something like yes, that. Larry... 
do I don't even know. They were beating the crap out of Ron for 23 minutes, and they were caning Ten him. minutes. Like, I didn't know what Harry was thinking. And I'm like, I like fix where we know what's in Harry's head. Now we come to the Psychic Serpent trilogy, and Harry's literally kissing Hermione, and he's thinking about the Golden Gate Bridge. And then he's like, focus Harry, focus Harry, focus Harry, focus Harry, as I'm thinking, focus Harry, focus Harry, focus Harry, focus Harry. And then he's thinking about Dumbledore and the time he's, focus Harry! And he, like, literally, he, he, he sees bright, shiny objects, and he, and he just, we go with his thought process, which is just entertaining <laughs> for me, because I don't which see is- that. Well, Harry's thought process is very every seven seconds. That's why he's along with Sal so well, I think. Who? Sal's? Yeah, I was just wondering if it's Sal. Snake. That would be Sandy. 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 There's even points where he literally, his thought process takes him so far away from what's actually happening in the scene. He actually thinks to himself, but we'll think about that later. I need to get back to what's happening in the class. <laughs> and, like, he drives the bus I thought it was an actual scene change. You know, you know, why, you know why I like it so much? It's a fucking Pulfoy episode. That's what we do. <laughs> we start talking about... We start talking about the Psychic Serpent Trilogy by Barb, and then we're talking about vaginal dryness, and then we're talking about Sue getting stuck in traffic in Kesa... And, and, and like getting on the bus to see Titanic, and then we're like, "Where are we?" And we're like Leslie Nielsen in the in the effing woods with the crickets <laughs> in the background. We forgot to say one really important thing: Elizabeth's parents came and stayed with us for two days over the weekend. That was really? my really happy news. That would be Jen's daughter. For those of you going, who the hell is Elizabeth? <laughs> I think that's it. I think I'm enjoying this because Barb writes. In the same manner in which I think. Turn around. We go together like grandma. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously, in this podcast, half of the time, paint cans could fall over and topple in the middle of the recording. And I will scream, keep going, it's fine. Like, like maybe if there's any issues I have with, you know, quality or is this the right way to, to pace a scene or whatever, I overlook it because it's just so fun. And so weird, and I don't know what's going to happen next. I just really like it. And I think that's... See? Oh, I can leave now. I'm done. Now, see, there's something that I didn't appreciate when I read it through, but now I'm starting to appreciate it more that I've gotten through it, and I'm farther along in the series. At first, I was very catty about it because it just seemed all very teenagerish and you know very Saturday afternoon movie but then as we're talking about this and I'm thinking about it well it's supposed to be Harry takes Hermione up to the third floor fluffy room to do the deed could that be well, any worse of a place to go yeah the, what, the dog room, house sorry what room say that again the fluffy, fluffy room. room the, the fluffy, fluffy room Okay, this is one of the things that I obviously missed in my Half-Blood Prince preview tickets excitement. The what room? What the, the hell? The fluffy room. Remember fluffy the room where fluffy, fluffy the dog was? In, in, um, oh, oh, I was thinking that there was this room, like, full of fluffy pink pillows or something. No, no, I'm saying that the fluffy what? room. They go to the trap door, empty yes. stone, cobblestone, yes. fluffy room to go, you know, do the deed and, you know, get down. No, I'm not getting that because... That could be more inappropriate as if he took her to the toilet where they beat the troll. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, 
And later on, you know, they get all themselves all worked up and they're like, oh, maybe we shouldn't screw here on the floor. Well, you know, maybe that wouldn't be very romantic. But then later, you know, Harry's thinking to himself, oh, I, I just under- have to I'm- weigh in here. Um, Mike, because he's having audio distortions, thought Jen was talking about the fucking room. <laughs> and um, <laughs> we're trying to set him straight. <laughs> You know what? It works either way. Papa chicka bow wow. Yeah, I was like, what, Jen? <laughs> well, no, it's like the house from Paradigm of Uncertainty where they have a room for everything. I'm actually blushing. How? <laughs> <laughs> well, how Harry takes her mind you there after he's like, I think we should see other people. Yep, wow! Let's, <laughs> wait, let's wait while I go pop some popcorn. Oh, 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 God! Oh, yes, 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 yes! Kazzle's <laughs> <laughs> lost it. <laughs> Deep breath, Kaza, deep breath. (laughs) The the thing is that my kids keep coming in and I keep having to mute it and I was just thinking maybe I should go and get the popcorn and give it to them. Oh, oh, yes, 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 oh, yes, 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 oh, oh. Oh, oh God! Oh, <laughs> maybe it's got that's a bad double entendre right there. Uh. <laughs> awful! I have to awful, tell you, awful. if they actually had a room of fluffy armchairs and pillows, it would nauseate me. Exactly. What's everyone think of Mad Eye Moody in this one? I love him. I like him. Like in the beginning, everyone was rolling their eyes at his teaching style because it's so, you know, theory based and it's it, it's so removed from the practical. And maybe they would have if Umbridge had actually been teaching there for a year because obviously she doesn't exist here. But I think it's a really great transition. It doesn't mean at all that the story she's telling is simplistic sometimes you know the, the word choice and the way she writes you know has a very different flavor but i think this the, the theories behind it and everything are really solid because you know look at how the class begins we're going to start this defense against the dark arts class talking about how people turn dark because you know even more important than how to stop them and defend yourself and what spells to use you know try some preemptive medicine here try to stop someone from turning dark and understand why they do it. And then you look at the progression of Ron over the story, and then by the end, I know I did the first time I read it, because I wasn't sure where she was going with the story, would Ron turn dark? And, you know, what do you do when you take away everything from him? Which, you know, is what he feared in Deathly Hallows, that he had nothing. So I thought that was great that Moody's character was used for that purpose, and... I think it definitely played out very well over the 30 whatever chapters with Ron's character, seeing him stripped away of everything. And then you have Providi thrown in there is, is, you know, an excuse and an escape. And then seeing what he'll actually do when they're in the Forbidden Forest and, and you're wondering where's Ron going to go with this. I liked how she plays Moody off of Moody from book four and the sense that, you know, like there's the class where he's talking to them. And uh, I think, I think, is it Harry? One of them even thinks in their head, like, you know, constant vigilance 
and he like goes in a totally different direction. Like Harry's thinking in his head from like last year, Moody yelling, constant vigilance. And Moody's like, just, you know, that was one thing I always wondered in canon is that it's kind of like you get the sense in canon that, that this guy just did this like the perfect job. It's like Harry already knows Moody when in fact Harry never even met Moody. And, and I like that he's his own character here, though it does make you wonder why no one picked up that there was something wrong with him last year. Well, it's a great take in the character because usually like I joked in the previous podcast, like whenever I picture Amelia Bones, I picture, you know, a cigar smoking, you know, 68 year old woman with, with, you know, dark, you know, thick glasses and like like an old man hat on walking around going mm, hostage situation oh. <laughs> like that's what i picture when i picture a movie i picture someone walking around growling at everybody beating things with bats like that's what i picture now you get into this fic and movies like let's talk about our innermost feelings i'm like this is new and he's assigning poetry and, you know essays on you know historical figures and shakespeare and everything and i'm like you know what that's actually really cool because if you don't know where the character's going to go and you want to make someone very different from who we saw last year I could you know for example wonder when the hell they put an opera house in Hogsmeade but I think that's a great way to go with the character movie so I enjoyed him very much I'm one of those people that I picture somewhere in the world there is a Hogwarts castle used for filming right and you know there's Hogsmeade and there's Snape's quarters and there's all these swing sets they can use for Potter Manor and the POU house and it's like a TV show like they have to reuse the sets and they need to strike them when they're done to rebuild them and I always picture like like fan fiction like all the stories I read are the same actors playing the roles over and over again so here's my question in all the other fics that we've read what do they use the opera house for? <laughs> Storage? Because I can predict there is no other fan fiction with a giant opera house in the middle of Hogsmeade that we miss in all of the cameras. No. <laughs> awesome, they, 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 awesome. they actually lent that to Battlestar Galactica. They do. It's like Harry in another one. He and Susan Bones, right? They're going to look for a place to get away from the crowd in Hogsmeade, and they go in, and Baltar and Six have the baby over the thing in the back. It's like, oh, um, we have that. We have the place for the day. We're filming. You need to, be- like, I like. I'm always wondering. I'm like, really? What the hell do they use the space for? And, like, and they jog by all the various cottages like, that Ginny owns when she and Harry reconcile twenty years later. No, Ryan, it's magic. Really right? They shrink it. They shrink the opera house. Well, I'm then trying to think of what the hell. I'm picturing like you know little Madame Rosemary's little three broomsticks, which now unfortunately is kindling. And you know they have like you know like the, the Santa's Village set that we saw in, in, in Prisoner of Azkaban, and you know, there's Ginny's cottage, you know, from, you know, she spoke gibberish, and then she owned a perfume shop or whatever, seeking Jenny. Um, and then there's the one where Hermione has her little cottage there, because um, why the hell did she have a cottage? Oh, she died. And then yeah. you know, going down the line, <laughs> and you're trying to picture it, and then you're picturing this giant skyscraper, like, in the middle of the whole damn thing, and that's from the one where Harry bought the bank. I don't know. It always <laughs> cracks me up that there's this random opera house in the middle of Hogsmeade. Everyone has a kilt. Okay, how do you pronounce the name of the stupid dance? Kelly. It was in the text of the story. Pronounced Kelly, yeah, it's... Yeah, but it's still, it's Kaylee. I read it as Kaleida, which (laughs) I thought was appropriate, considering they're Scots, and when Scots get together, they do a lot of colliding. I have issues with the wizards in kilts part of this fic. Me too. 
Really? Every freaky wizard except for the Weasleys are damn Scottish. <laughs> except McGonagall, who is Scottish, who's actually Irish. And they all have Clan Tartan. Even Harry is Scottish. Yeah. Except for the Weasleys, who are not Scottish. But even Colin Creevy is Scottish, and he's of the same clan as Harry. I'm like, I was so grateful that Colin was alive again, I overlooked it. But I did love McGonagall when she's berating Hermione on the trip down to Hogwarts. Didn't you look it up? <laughs> like literally, like I finished reading that, I'm like I'm just gonna forget this happened because it was so stupid. Yes, me too, Mike. Devil's the, dad the best, has an old hilt. You know, <laughs> the best part. The best When I finished that chapter, I literally in my head went, "I'm gonna pretend this didn't happen because I think my brain." Oh no, you had you had to remember this chapter because the best part of it is that Sirius polyjuiced into his uncle and flashed Hermione's package. Uh, Did she ever realize later on that was actually Sirius? Yes, Harry told her. And she yes, got she all embarrassed. Her. Okay, I forgot. And that then she was afraid to talk to him for a while. Yeah. Yeah. But if he was calling, <laughs> well, I love Madame Rose Murdoch. She's standing by the wreckage of her. Oh my God, Sirius Black. Don't you have enough to worry about? He runs behind the shed, and then a dog runs out from the other side. Everyone's like, "Get the dog out of the way! We have to get Sirius Stop the, the dog in the kilt. Stop the dog in the kilt. Fine, what did you make of this whole tap with the quilt? I mean, not the quilts, the dresses, yeah. Alright, I've read the dresses. Now we can have in-depth conversations for this over the next five, six weeks, whatever we're doing here. Barb has a fascination with kilts and boats. Oh, God, save us all. And I don't know whether or not her Scottish family took a lot of boat rides when she was a child, or if there's a specific reason she felt she needed to bring that particular aspect to Harry Potter. I- I- I'm fine with it. Like I said, this fic, it gets immunity from me. I don't know why. I think it's because it's like my type of fic, literally, in monologues. But everyone has a kilt. Even Sirius Black, you know, he's like the Osama Bin Laden of the Wizarding World. He's the guy who is number one on the list. Find him. He's even like, oh, I'll come out of hiding, Harry. I'll bring you your kilt. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and the thing that kills me is that all the guys, especially Harry, because, you know, he's been running and working out and everything, but Harry has got, like, the best legs Ever. Barb just has a leg thing, and she just wanted them all to have their kilts so that she could see their legs. There was a line where Harry realized that Hermione was checking out everyone's legs. I would have loved it if Harry ended that paragraph with, well, I guess it's fine. I am a boob man myself. (laughs) (laughs) I was just waiting on Harry to go, do you want to know if I'm wearing this traditionally or not? (laughs) (laughs) I was afraid we'd find out. Well, this is obviously written before the guys could not get into the girls' door. Yes, obviously. Well, my thing was, Harry's like, we can't do it in in, in my dorm. You know, Neville and and, and Dean are up there, or whoever, Seamus and Dean, whoever was up there. My exact response was, Harry, that's never stopped you before. (laughs) (laughs) What you do is you put the charm around the little four poster, which is like the size of my love seat. And like, everyone can look through it and see the shadows and the silhouettes, but apparently it works fine. In this part of the fic, when they're all going out to this Kaylee, wearing their kilts and their tartan and everything, even probably Pavati, who's Scottish as well. She's Indian Scottish. 
I've got McGonagall is disturbed by McGonagall. I think I meant Harry is disturbed by, by McGonagall having a personal life. And I'm like thinking, yes, and he thinks she's a lesbian. Well, I'm thinking, thank goodness he hasn't read the fic where McGonagall is Dumbledore's lover. Why do you think McGonagall was a lesbian? I forget that from my reread. Because he's very surprised that she showed up with a male companion, a male friend. I remember that. I was remembering a few weeks ago, Rena saying that young children think that the teachers live at the school. Oh, yes. And they they don't even associate the fact that you have private lives. Like, Harry, you're 15. Apparently, in this fic, you know, they don't have the staff wing where some of the other fics do, where they, you know, they go and live there. Well, actually, they do. Never mind. This is that one. They do. Well, that's how it goes. Like every all the all the staff members live in a staff wing, except Snape, who lives in a dungeon. <laughs> okay, I've been mocking a particular fic on this podcast since it came. In. Well, I've been mocking two. One was the Nash pay. fic, and one was the three parter one that I read every damn word of, and it, and it took me like three years to read. So I've been mocking this this fic. It's you know, one of the earlier ones I read. Um, you know, it's, it started well, turned bad, very long, thousands of chapters, read every one of them. I get a message from Wayne. He is a forum fixture on Potterfic Weekly. He edits. He, 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 he's the guy that knows everything. Wayne is the guy that contacts you to tell you that a nuclear bomb has just gone off over your house in case you missed it. Wayne is <laughs> Wayne contacts me. You mocked my favorite fic again. Contacted me and said the same thing. Because <laughs> you said the same thing. What fake is it? What fake is it? Blah, 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 blah. I thought it was the one where Harry watches MASH. Nope, that was a different one. Now, it starts off with an interesting idea. It starts off with the concept that it's sixth year. Dumbledore's, you know, um, Sirius just died. You know, they got rid of Umbridge. Dumbledore has to pick a new defense against the Dark Arts professor and he's like everyone i pick sucks (laughs) and the only time that anyone's actually learned anything in the last 10 years is when harry did it i'm making harry the defense against dark arts teacher which is you know as a concept is patently absurd you never do that but for you know when you actually start to think about the series like hey it kind of actually makes sense so they say okay you will be you're a staff member and you'll be referred to as professor potter and you will teach um years one through five and you will still go to all of your classes we'll work your schedule around it and i as dumbledore will teach the older students including yours and you will just teach the younger kids defense against the dark arts because we just feel you're the only one who knows what the fuck he's doing so <laughs> that's the concept well and you're really letting that word fly tonight aren't you? i really am i really am and i'm like you know what if Laura Roslin can do it, so can Harry. And it was actually, like, an interesting idea. Like, I just thought it was just to see what an author could do with it. Harry, I think, ended the war by Chapter 8, because he discovered the power of love cures all, and he, he was able to defeat Voldemort by, by hugging people, literally. Hermione becomes a professor. Everyone has a damn phoenix. At one point, Harry's talking to Ginny through his hand, and then he's the head of Gryffindor. And Harry is saving people from the Twin Towers. Four chapters on why wizards don't like gay people. Arthur Weasley is running for Minister of Magic against this prick, and they're using a love meter to to decide who wins. And because Harry loves people the most, he's able to boost the thing. Like, it was... was, And then Harry becomes... 
becomes a phoenix and like it went like it was like oh my god this is the but i couldn't stop reading it and but the concept Gigantic was really <laughs> what the heck is that what is that is mike choking <laughs> <laughs> My goodness. Is he dying? Mike, yes, are he... you okay? <laughs> we broke him. <laughs> this is we the sound him. of a broken... <laughs> oh my god, Ryan. That's just, you cracked me up. Literally tears rolling down my cheeks. What was it that tipped you over the edge, Mike? <laughs> specific <laughs> Love meter. Oh, right. Do we have this to look forward to in the reading group? You know what? Let's throw it in there. I think we should do four weeks on it. What's everything? Oh, no. No, 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 no. You know what the worst I ever read that people on this board love a lot? The premise is Harry has a twin brother who's really the chosen one and who really defeated Voldemort. And he has a, speaking of hearts, he has a heart-shaped uh, scar in his forehead. And Harry's been raised his whole life that he has to protect his brother because he's been trained to sort of as, like, constantly be spying and watching him get sorted to Slytherin House. He becomes friends with Draco. Snape starts to mentor him. And, you know, I'm like, okay, this is kind of my cup of tea. I'm, I'm, I'm going along with it. And then it just gets totally crazy where it turns out, like, Lily and Dumbledore have been using mind control on Harry. Harry's really the chosen one. Lily tries to do the Imperial curse on Harry and wipe his memory out so Harry cuts her magic out and then James Potter turns into like a sniveling person begging for Harry to forgive him but Harry forgives him but even though Harry forgives him he moves into a snake and then he falls in love with Drake it was just totally creepy oh my keep breathing dude you, you, you just keep breathing it's even worse <laughs> than that no just keep reading the psychic serpent trilogy by Barb oh <laughs> Yeah. I can't wait to hear what Mike has to say about the next story. I love the next story. Absolutely, absolutely love it. Yes, it's much better. It was actually one of the big inspirations for me to write my own story. Here's a whole world that we have and say, wow. Oh, 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 oh. You know what? Um, Gen 2. I am so vindicated. I I told you there was something screwed up with Neville. Yeah. (laughs) I told you keep reading. I t- Neville and, is and on you, drugs. And and you, and and you were just like, oh, I don't know. There's nothing wrong with Neville. I think there's I no. You must be. You must be just crazy, Jen. Too. That Neville's acting just fine. Okay, why, 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 I, how could you? Not at all. Because I remember we were having conversations about what is wrong with Neville. Is he somebody how, else how, under polyjuice or what? How could you possibly think that there's any? Whose voice are you doing right now? I have to ask. That's Brian. yours. <laughs> all right. Okay. I had a long day, and Gen 2 had a problem with the story. I'm like, all right, Gen 2, what's your problem? Here's my problem with the story. Hermione would never work with Harry. Neville would never be this good. Dudley is way out of character. I'm just like, <sighs> keep <laughs> reading the story. <laughs> Because I can't tell her it's a plot device, but I can't tell her it's bad writing. Like, I don't know what to do. He's just like, just keep reading. It's just Neville. It's just, it's just Neville. Just, just keep reading. And I'm just like, there is something wrong with Neville. You know who there's nothing wrong with who I adore? Will Fulwick. Will. Yeah, Will's great. Literally, he is a cool virgin 
cool virgin. Oh gosh. <laughs> we was... should... Well, he is. He is a cool virgin. Let me just say that. He's I hope cool so, because he's only eleven. But be- beyond his cool virginness, Will is a really. Where was I going with that? <laughs> what sounds like virgin? I was just trying. To virgin. He's a cool version of Nigel from the movies. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Watch the movies. You can't miss him. (laughs) He's going to die. You know it's going to happen. He's going to die. There's actually one where um, Will Flitwick is playing Quidditch at some point in the story. I I think he might be a chaser or something. And one of the Slytherins, like, hurls a bludger right at him and nearly hits him. And, like, Flitwick jumps up with his cane or whatever. It's like, that's my nephew, you dolt, or whatever. He starts, like, throwing things. It'd have to be in a later chapter because first years aren't allowed their own brooms. I was catching that as I was saying it, but I had to Mm -mm. But. Thanks a lot, Ryan. No problem. There's no point to read on now. You spoiled There's no point to read on now. That's exactly why we have Deathrill here to catch these things, because he remembers these little, you know, important... Can I just say that I need to fire all of my betas? Because they let me get away with trying to say that Cedric Diggory was a seventh year in Goblet of Fire. That's so totally wrong. He's a sixth year. I need to fire them and fire myself while I'm at it. Was that actually... Did it say in Goblet he was a sixth year? Oh, because he wasn't head boy. Yeah, I. You automatically imply he would have automatically been head boy if he was a seventh year. Well, not necessarily, because it is possible to be head boy and not be a prefect. James Potter, for example. And he, or he could have been a prefect a seventh year who just never made it to be head boy. Was that just not been elected? He is boy. described as a prefect, but. Oh, that's right, because um, yeah. Remus and Lily, right? He goes to their bathroom anyway. Yep. Yeah. Uh, he, he goes to the Are we sure that's canon, or is that Joe fucking up again? Is that Joe fucking up again? I'm just going for the words, and I can't be stopped after Tourette's. Yeah, um, that- I don't know. Is it another Flint? Maybe. Flint, God, you know, rest in peace, Marcus Flint, unfortunately. Seriously? Well, maybe he's just a, he's just an old he's just an old sixth year. That's how I made it. What did you do in your fic? You had you had Flint like take a year off. to get like, a family like, emergency. Yeah, he had to like care for grandma who broke her hip or something like that. Six year, you know, he'll repeat it here. Hermione was seventeen in her sixth year, right? Yeah. Yeah. See, people do this a lot. They always assume that Cedric was going to be head boy if he lived. There's no particular reason to assume he'd be head boy over any other prefect. Everyone else sucked. You don't even know them. Can you even name the other prefects? No, can you? Exactly my point. It could be a really cool one hiding in the bunch. Cedric Diggory had a great name. He had good hair, too. Yeah, he was awesome. He had great hair, but seriously, Cedric Diggory, comma, head boy. That's all you need. Yeah, Yeah. it works. George Weasley. Head boy. Oh, oh God, George, save us all. Like, like, who else would you have? Like, Al Lipschitz, head boy? It had to be Cedric Diggory. <laughs> <laughs> it had to be Cedric Diggory. You actually know somebody with the last name Lipschitz. No, I, no, it was, um, I was watching whatever movie I had in, they did a, they had the, um, on the DVD, they had a preview from Mork and Mindy, like the first season DVD. And there's Robin Williams sitting at the kitchen table, and he's, he's, he's got the phone book in front of him, and he's penning through it, and he's dialing a number. It's like, Al Lipschitz. He's like, yeah, Mork here. No, I don't know you, but I looked your name up, and I figured Al Lipschitz, if you had that name, you had to be a fun guy. <laughs> I'll drink to that. What's your last name? What's my last name? Chef, something with an ass, right? Schindler. Yes. Brian Schindler. <laughs> I said Schindler. What kills me is Mike is my friend on Facebook. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
totally Perry, doesn't know. I'm Perry. He has no idea what my name is. Am I Mary? Yes. What? You've mailed me things. You've mailed me Schimler. Things. Uh, Speaking of which, does someone here want coffee? I have literally five hundred dollars worth of coffee. I have to get rid of. You have sure, to have my credit. Send us coffee. He's trying to take over the Puffwa economy because he's trying to get all of our galleons. He'll send us crap. I have more money in the bank. I'm Bill Gates. That's who I am. But even leaving that aside, though, I, honestly, if any of you want coffee, I literally have more coffee than I know what to do with. Why don't you just go to Starbucks in the morning, you know, and get like a, you know, a roll or something and a cup of tea for breakfast? Hold on. Do you buy the coffee? What it is is they put the money on my... On my, it's like student fake money that I get yeah. for the job, and it, and it disappears on August tenth. And I, they gave me like six hundred fifty dollars of it. You can buy cool crap at Starbucks, okay? You can buy like coffee maker. But it has to be edible. Like, like I wanted to get Jen cups too, but they wouldn't give me cups. They said it had to be something like you know, like bags of coffee or like bags of vanilla, that kind of thing. Coffee beans. That's what I'm saying. Bags of coffee beans, yeah. No, chocolate covered coffee. coffee beans. No, they don't have those because I oh. asked. For the, I asked for chocolate covered coffee beans, and they don't have them right now. Can you just get like a lot of breakfast sandwiches? They don't have breakfast. breakfast. They, they have like scones and it's things. Scones. And this, 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 this is not a regular Starbucks. It's like a school. They have different coffee bags, and they have tea, and they have I think vanilla extract, and they have chocolate mix. Jinx thing. Anyone here, if you pay for shipping, I will give you $100 worth of coffee. <laughs> so you know Puffo's ratings are down while they're giving away free crap. <laughs> I'm afraid to know how much shipping would be on 100 pounds of coffee. Dollars, I said, not pounds, but still. Mike is the only Puffoanian I can think of who, when we mail him stuff, like tomorrow, actually mails it back to us. Puffoanians have this tendency that, like, we all keep each other's shit. And we all ask each other to please return it, and we all never do. I just think it's hysterical. Tina has my first season of Battlestar Galactica. Sue has my Star Trek fan films. I have her Star Trek scripts. I have Jen's Buffy season one that I expressly refuse to return. And Mike is the one giving us all free stuff. And Sue has mailed me um, solves. Apparently, Scott was using the mosquito stuff the other day. Danielle uses that thing you gave her. That really helped. I just made a whole bunch of new stuff. I ate all my Pop-Tarts and I need new ones. It's like I'm begging. More commercials? You you plug it into the wall and it sends vibrations through the walls and it scares all the bugs away. You know what I'm talking (laughs) about? Like you see the... Mike, what if your that's neighbor's true. using it, and that's why they're flocking to your place? There's no one else living in the whole freaking building. I'm the only person in the 600-person building. Mike, this is what you do. You go and put food in other rooms, and they'll all go to where the food is, and they'll stay out of your rooms. But they're not wall cockroaches, so they don't come for food. I don't have food in my apartment. They're not coming for food. What is a wall cockroach anyway? For heavens. We went have through we, this last we week, didn't we? Yes, we have. We did this. <laughs> this the Psychic Serpent Trilogy by Barb. Um, all right, so we have the progression of Ron into someone dark. Okay, have... I just have to say that Harry is James Bond. Thinks he's James Bond. They both do. Well, he, he gets the letter that self-destructs. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> That's Mission Impossible. <laughs> He gets this letter, and he meets up with Draco in the library. And Draco's like, psst, psst. And Harry is like, Sandy, are you awake? And she's like, no, I'm not awake. 
oh, I just wanted to check because I can hear sing. And she's like, you Potter, I thought you spoke snake. <laughs> <laughs> I do. You do don't. <laughs> the savior of the wizarding world himself. He's. And, and, and he's James and Bond, like, he's oh, yeah, smart. like, oh, you got the form letter. And Harry's like, there's a form letter? <laughs> 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 I was just reading that part, and I like the the banter that this back and forth, you know, the whole bit, what, what you were just saying about, I, I thought you spoke snake. I do, you don't, you know. <laughs> you know, because I think that under different circumstances in the canon, if, you know, Draco wasn't, like, such a little monster, um, then... Harry and Draco could have had one of those friendships. Yeah. Really, Harry and Draco could enjoy that characterization of of Draco. Well, but, they um, do at certain points throughout the story, like the one where um, Draco comes to meet Ginny and and Harry, you know, because of course he's Ginny's father. He intercepts Draco, and Hermione puts Ginny to bed and tucks her in and everything. And they have that moment where they're just joking about Hermione. And there's those moments throughout these chapters where where Harry and Draco almost start to be friends and then something happens and Harry accuses Draco yeah. of trying to murder Neville and then it just gets bad from there. <laughs> it, it, it keeps going downhill and it's like they almost get there and they almost get there and then they and then they back off again and Harry turns to Hagrid whenever he's having the staff meetings with uh, Snape and Sirius and everyone and he's like crap I, 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 I told Who's thumping? It's not me. Sorry about that, Chief. When they have the staff meetings with Sirius and Dumbledore and Snape and everyone, and they're like, okay, whatever we do, we can't let Draco know about Ginny. Oh, oh crap, I told him about you. We can't let him know the plan. Oh, I, I, I did tell him the plan. We can't let him know about the... Le- oh, crap, I showed him that. <laughs> like, it's like down the list. It's like when Harry tries to be his friend, it turns out very poorly. Well, here's a question for Ryan, since he's our expert on this subject. What is your take on Voldemort in this fic, in particular in terms of like his level of scariness, intimidation-wise, planning-wise, that sort of thing? Well, he bombs the subway. Uh-huh. That's bad. And I did like when he sent Harry, like you were saying, like the form letter. Like, dear applicant, <laughs> we, we are very pleased to inform you. It's got, like, the starting salary and the dental plan bull portion. There's a good enough dental plan to sign me up. Well, in this story, and I'm, and I'm letting uh, this, the sequel kind of cloud my judgment a little bit, Voldemort isn't as scary as Harry is somewhat of a buffoon. <laughs> Harry is classic... I can't think ahead to save my life in this trilogy or for much of it. Yeah. So it's not that Voldemort's brilliant. It's that Harry's kind of a dipshit. I disagree with that, actually. I think Voldemort (laughs) is much more intelligent in this story. He's intimidating people to doing what he wants them to do, and he's not resorting to Imperius, because I remember it was a big deal in the canon. Oh, we've placed this person under Imperius, and now we can do... X, Y, and Z. I can't imagine Barb's Voldemort standing outside the ministry with a megaphone. Who have one hour. I can't see him doing that. I'm specifically talking about the first few chapters of the sequel. Which we're not covering tonight. Which we're not covering. This Voldemort here is, in these chapters, is ostentatious. About he, he knows everyone knows he's back, so he's decided not to really hide. I mean, he's delivering letters with black seals uh, that are being delivered by ravens in the Great Hall at dinner to let the whole world know who he's recruiting. Well, it's like in the beginning of the, of the first set of chapters where Harry's considering jo- joining Voldemort. Hated that. Everyone. Yeah, it's like, what, like, no, he would never even entertain that. 
but the, it's interesting then that you know Voldemort's having a job fair by the end. Of- <laughs> yeah. and- That's what I like about this Voldemort. He cares about recruiting the best and the brightest. Uh, apparently, from what we're led to believe, he's even considering recruiting Hermione. Well, he's, he's recruiting everybody else. He doesn't want to get sued. Just well, no, he doesn't want to get sued. He, he, you know, he, Equal opportunity lawyer. I'm picturing the bottom of the leather from the Raven, you know, minorities and persons with a disability are strongly encouraged to apply. Like, <laughs> hey, but, um, one, one line I didn't understand about this, like Roger Davies has got his little recruitment letter, right? And Draco and Harry are talking about him in the library and they're going how evil he is. And I'm sitting there going... Roger Davies is, like, evil now? Is it? What? Yes, very evil. <laughs> now, Roger Davies, which book was he Bellatrix in? That was Book of Morgan Le Fay, right? Yeah. No. Because yeah. I've never liked him since then, so it's nice. Cause I, I thought it was Eddie Carmichael. Was that Eddie Carmichael? What was Eddie- Roger Davies? What he stole Cho from Harry. What house is Roger huh? Davies in? Roger Davies <laughs> was Fleur's date to the Yule Bar, right? Is that right? Yeah. yeah. yeah I have a question. Why the hell is Fleur teaching school in Hogsmeade next to the Opera House? I meant to mention that because we were joking about why is Victor Crumb on the cannons in like a backup role? Why is Fleur teaching kindergarten? For plot purposes, of course. Because she's there to try to find Earth. Roger Davies is a Ravenclaw. Oh, I knew that. I said that. I couldn't remember. And isn't he the one that Chose goes out with after she dumps Harry? No, she goes out with Roger Davies. No, who she doesn't. She goes boy? out with Cedric Diggory. No, after she Fleur goes Harry's with so Roger Davies to the Yule Ball. Fleur goes with Roger Davies to the Yule Ball. He's head boy in Goblet of Fire. And okay, so he's gone. So Cedric Carmichael has gone. Wait, if he's head boy in Goblet of Fire, how can he still be in the school? Yeah. Whoops. No, he's a sixth year. Is he the head boy in Order of the Phoenix then? I think he no, must he's be. Head boy in he said, boy, here, me, in, in this fifth-year story. When do we... We're going to wiki him now? Okay. I'm wiki... I'm oh, already now. there. I've already wiki... Well, now I have to wiki him, because I can't be left out. All right. Everyone wiki Roger Davies. I'm not going to wiki him, because I'm too cool to follow the wave. No, I'm not wikiing. I'm going no, straight I'm to the Right there with you, Mike. Gen 2, you're That's in right. the dryer. I'm in the dryer. I want Roger Davies, the right. manager, the Harry Potter character, the footballer. Is that better? Football. Yeah. Football, that's Harry po- yeah, that's actually. better. Let's just get really yeah, off topic. I love this species. No, no, no. Davies Roger Ravenclaw. He's a chaser. <laughs> he went with Fleur Delacour to the old ball. When is he the head is... boy? He doesn't even say. Steve Van Ark has left Fannin. That's what it is. He's head boy in Fannin. So well, much. he left. He left in 1996. So, he just, well, he has to be the head boy in fandom. He's the only like extra who has a name. So, whoever wanted to know, it was Roger Davies with Cho at Madame Puttyfoot's on Valentine's yes. Day. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Which is in Order of the Phoenix. Oh, so he must Sue, have well been. Done. He must have been Bye. head boy in Order of the Phoenix. Who was? Yeah. Right, who was Michael? An apology, Mister. No, it wasn't. He never went out with Cho. Mike took that very personally. He did. Five points, Mike. Oh, no, that was me. I was saying, no, he didn't. Do, maybe we just didn't Roger know who the head boy was. Roger asked Cho out early in February. No, she, uh, no, no, it says here, he asked Cho out early February 96, but she turned him down. Uh-huh. And then Cho tells Harry during their date at Madame Puttyfoot's to try and make Harry jealous. She turned him down. She didn't go out with him. Oh. He asked her, but he didn't. <laughs> 
Oh, he can't. He can't be head boy in Goblet of Fire. I was mistaken. I thought he was head boy in Goblet of Fire, but he's not. Who is the head boy in Goblet of Fire? Do we know? I don't think we know that because, like I say, I just had a confusion about that myself. Well, well you might know because who isn't the head boy? I think it says. I don't think they give his name, but the head boy and head girl lead the dance with Harry and. Um, no, no, they don't. The four no. champions. Lead. The champions. four champions lead. Trust me on that one, Mike. The head boy and head girl don't come out later, though? Nope, nope. It doesn't say who's the head boy and head girl. You know right. why we know in Order of the Phoenix? Because Ron and Hermione are prefix, and so it's a big deal. So we know in Prisoner of Azkaban because it's Percy, and we know in Order of the Phoenix because Ron and Hermione are prefix. But yeah, we know. the we official list of Harry head boys is actually quite short. There's a, a footnote in whatever it is that I'm on that says Roger must be older than Harry Potter as... Fleur de Delacour dismissed Harry as a little boy, but attended the Yule Ball with Roger. And he's captain of the Ravenclaw Quidditch team. He's what a popular we... athletic claw. He's not evil. Can we agree he's a prick? No. He's yeah. Boring. Don't you say anything bad about my Ravenclaws? Come on now. Yeah, he is boring. I'm thinking of um, Terry Boot, the one that Hermione said was like the most boring person ever. I think Melinda wrote that. Oh, yeah, Terry Boot. We don't like Terry. Although, I, Dumbledore's army in the year of darkness... Terry kicked Terry is oh, awesome. We like him there. Yeah. Yeah. Roger a prick. No, she does. Okay. She actually calls him a prick. Yeah, she I does. The, the I, I wrote it. I wrote notes. All it right. says so right in my notes. I have five right. pages I, I, of handwritten notes has... I had no computer. Sue, you put a lot of time and effort into your notes, and you called me from rush hour traffic today from apparently San Diego, and then moments later we're in Oregon. So read to us. Uh, no, just that Hermione called him a prick. That was. I just wanted to get that in there. Well, let's get some um, details on the chapters, because I read them three years ago. I remember okay. Wormtail oh. crawling over Hermione, smelling her, and being disgusted. Oh. I get so oh. tired of that. seeing that in stories. Speaking I've seen it that. a million times. Can rats actually smell that? That was so gross. I, I have rats actually oh, I lost everything. smell who knows. Why do the Malfoys care so much? Did I just kind of hear there just sounds after I said Oh, hold on, everyone, because I think we're having some problems. Hello? Can, who can, can anyone okay. hear me? No one can hear anyone. Hello? There's only two of us here, Ryan. We lose Keza, Jenshu, and Ethereal. Hello. There we go. Hey, there we go. That's the sound of a slithering coming onto a conference call. <laughs> <laughs> Sandy, is that you? It's I'm now broadcasting from like directly under my wireless router. I'm in like this. I'm in storage area B right now. I feel like I'm in the POU house trying to get the calls table. Hello. Hello. Can you hear me? I can hear you. So Hello. I was in the middle of a sentence when it dropped. Okay. Do you remember what the Very sentence good. was? Do you was re- I remember what, what the sentence was. We can pick this right back up where we left. Fire. We were talking about Wormtail sniffing Harmony and sniffing her sex. God. And I'm like, I might have missed something. This is not unheard of before. But why do the Malfoys care so much about Harry's sex life? Because the best way to get to a teenage boy is through a teenage girl. But they were just so explicit about it. When did you have sex? Did you have sex with Hermione before? The- oh, no, it wasn't that day. It wasn't till weeks. Well, they're perfect. Uh-huh. I told you. But wasn't some of it to destroy the trio? Because it was destroyed. Yeah. With Ron. Yeah. yeah. Part of it, yes. On what date, though, what the time was. When, Harry, did you penetrate Hermione? No, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Our plan is going down. It's like, hey, father, I told you. I'm like, well, stop talking about Harry's <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. Isn't your husband obsessed was... with it? Oh, he is. Well, he is. He is so, so ridiculous. 
I have no idea what. You know that picture of Daniel Radcliffe that's on, you Google images and you get that one that's been photoshopped with someone else's. Yeah. Yes. And so I made this joke once. I'm like, oh, look, you can see that. And I've told him it's not his real one. And I've told him that you know, I barely didn't even look at the thumbnail, let alone like I haven't looked at it, you know. And he, he keeps bringing it up. Oh, you've seen Harry Potter's penis. And I'm like, oh, be quiet. Shush. And I don't know why, but he'll bring it up at inopportune moments. I was cooking that. I was cooking sausages and meatballs. It's really, oh, really no. stupid. So, like, he's playing around and, and mocking, you know, what I'm cooking for tea. I'm like, I'm just trying to get the kids to eat. I didn't see the significance of it until you started playing with the food. Again, you know, every time he gets a chance, he brings it up. So the other night, it's like quite late at night, and he kept saying something. And I said, oh, if you don't stop talking about Harry Potter's penis, I'm going to tell Ryan. <laughs> and he wouldn't stop, so I tell Ryan. <laughs> and now it's on air. Yeah, so you just need to give him a significant glance. Turn around. <laughs> it's like me and Barb. Go way back. Oh, you need to be careful because last night you don't want to know about it. And if you keep yeah. going, I'll, I'll spill. You know what scares me? <laughs> Kez's last night is my morning. So sometimes I'm at work. I'm like, I wonder what Kez is doing right now. What was that? Nothing. nothing my last name is your what? Nope, not, nothing, nothing, nothing at all. Wait for the episode. It'll be a surprise when this comes up. He did not just say that. I, I think he did. <laughs> you talk about me and my popcorn. I know, but you have popcorn in the middle of the podcast. Like you go on mute for popcorn. It's right. Wait, when you say the same popcorn, do you mean the same thing as when you were saying bagels before? I know. Slight <laughs> uh, difference. I, I, no, Mike. I, no, not quite. Popcorn is legal bagels. Wait, bagels are illegal? I do not like bagels. bagels are illegal. Excuse me, I do not go on mute. <laughs> you left early. We had to pull Keza in to fill in because we needed another woman to balance it out. It was my anniversary. Yeah, you were podcasting. Was hey, crazy. guess what? Guess what? what? It's my anniversary like, next week, right? And we've been just debating. It's our 10th year wedding anniversary, so we're supposed to do something special and we can't afford to. You're sleeping in Dan Radcliffe's bed, aren't you? Did you do that? <laughs> hey, how did that? was a secret. Anyway, no, we can't do that. We can't afford Dan Radcliffe's bed. So we were going to like go out to dinner, something really boring. And then I thought, oh, we could go and see Harry Potter because it's coming out the day before. But then we got preview tickets, so we're going to see it a few days before. So then he gets this message. Now, we were doing this play last month, right? And they filmed it, and they want to show it to the cast, who, of course, haven't seen it because we were in it. And so right. they sent him this message, and they say, okay, we, we want to see it on the 16th. Can you tee it up with John, the guy who filmed it, you know, to, to show it? And he says to me, Oh, yeah, sometime next week. So he wants me to word the email to John for him. And I'm like, okay. And I'm like, well, what day is it? And he's like, oh, it's the 16th. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. I'm like, that's our wedding anniversary, you idiot. <laughs> and I'm like, he's like, oh, well, that's the date they gave me. I'm like, you're the chairperson of this committee. Change the freaking date. It's your anniversary. <laughs> and so for our anniversary, we're going to go watch the play. I had something like that just come up. Now, there's this volunteer group I belong to. I enjoy the volunteering part. The people in the group, are, are they scare me. They scare me very much. Like, when I spend time with the people in the group, I feel like I'm in the prefect meeting from, from the story. Like, I just, like... <laughs> we're having a summer get-together. 
We just exchanged 412 emails trying to plan the day of the damn get-together. And we finally picked the day of the damn get-together. Then they try and move the day of the damn get-together, because three people can't go to the get-together. But if they move the day, those three people can go, but seven other people can't. So we finally just keep the same get-together. Now we can't have the get-together at the same time, because the person whose house we're having the get-together at has to leave now at 1.30. So we're moving the get-together to brunch. But now, because we're moving the get-together to brunch... Of the three people who can't go, one of them can, but another one can't now. So we're breaking even. It's this entire thing. Then they're trying to move it to someone else's house, and they're asking the woman who's leaving at one thirty if she can go to the other person's house. And she's like, of course not, because I'm leaving at one thirty because I have something else to do, and yada, yada, yada. So I don't want to go to the damn thing, but I have to go to the damn thing, because it's been set. 485 emails have gone down already, so I can't just now say, oh, by the way, I can't. I'm busy, because I, I, I waited too long. Luckily... Ryan. Mike can call in an excuse for you. Well, I don't need yes. to now because something <laughs> wonderful came up. It got dropped in my lap like a gift, and it's my excuse to get out of the damn meeting. I have to have my wisdom teeth out. Brilliant! Lovely. Oh, no. What? <laughs> that is such a cool fucking Wisdom teeth are very passe. I go to the, the oral surgeon's office to have the meeting, and I walk in thinking I'm going to just have Novocaine. And he's like, okay, you have two options. I can either put you to sleep and take your wisdom teeth out, or if you're very, very, very brave, I can give you lots of shots of Novocaine, which will be painful, and I can take your teeth out while you're conscious. <laughs> Let me think about this first. Well, now I'm pissed because it's a push-pull, and I don't like to be manipulated, so I tell him I will take the painful Novocaine, because I am very brave. Idiot! Well, now it's been two days since I said that. I'm having them out in eight days. And my thought is, I'm a coward. I need you to put me to sleep. <laughs> so now my mother's friend comes by tonight who used to work for the oral surgeon. I'm like, ooh, what do you think I should do? And her exact response is, ooh, I don't know, right? Ed's a little rough. <laughs> I'm like, oh my god, he's rough. I was always told I was born without wisdom teeth. But recently, you're a higher state of human development. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but last time I went, they told me that one side on my top uh-huh. may grow in slightly later on. And I was like, oh my god, I've devolved. You tiny little life forms. You precious little life forms. Okay, so I don't know if you've made a decision about going under, which would be the smart thing to do. I'm going My to go under. Comes... I am a coward, and I am a, I, I am a girly man, and I am going for the... <laughs> I'm a My daughter comes I don't care what it costs. Nice. And it nice. yes. Yes. She uh-huh. read three chapters of Order of the Phoenix. She has watched all five movies. She's very excited. Was... She has come in. She has been playing the Half-Blood Prince video game. She has come in, and she has said to me, Mum, Snape killed Dumbledore. Oh. She's been... <laughs> she left. No! <laughs> She's playing the game. She didn't know. Oh, why didn't you protect her, Kessa? <laughs> oh. Oh. That's, That's horrible, Kessa. Tell her it only happens in the game. What's up with them changing the ending to the movie? What movie? What do you mean? Apparently, they take out the scene where Dumbledore um, actually dies. Alice is Harry and throws him under the invisibility cloak or whatever he does. Wait, (laughs) Keza, when you see this movie, you need to tell me if they screw up Dumbledore's death scene because if they do, I'm not bothering. 
Oh, don't you worry. You'll hear all about it. Hang on. I think there's... Hang I just have to check my daughter. I can hear her on the other side of the door. <laughs> I'll be right back. All right, hey, Sue. talk about the... Fi- Sue, you spent <laughs> many an hour writing very detailed notes about these chapters. Would you care to share any of them with us? Let me ask while well, Sue's reading. Gen 2, what did you think about okay. Dudley? Dudley? Mm-hmm. Um... Dudley at the end. I... Uh... <laughs> Sue, what do you have on Dudley? <laughs> I wasn't sure how I felt about Dudley dying. That was kind of sad. What was the component of it that Harry had the note but didn't read it? Yeah, that was what was really hard. Because all during the story, Dudley's like, Harry, write to me, I'm lonely. And Harry's like, yeah, I'll get back to that in the next chapter because I'm staring at Hermione's boobs. And it's like, he's like, oh, look, an elephant. And he goes off on a tangent and completely... <laughs> and Dudley's sitting at his desk well, like... He's, well, he's... Well. Uh-oh. 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 Death roll? Uh-oh. Can anyone else hear me? I can, I can hear you. Yes. Thank God. All right. Cause Death Roll's gone. I can yeah. hear you. So I love the whole, you know, he's got the letter. Oh, got to have sex with Hermione first. He leaves the letter up there, and then after that, like, jumps, goes back to find the letter. Oh, no, I found it. When I was younger, when I was going to church, our pastor's name was Pastor Babcock. And his son oh. has recently friended me on Facebook. And when I read this, I had to immediately go to Facebook and say, guess what? I'm reading a fic. And it's Pastor Babcock. And I just thought it was hysterical. And, and, and he's like, like, what the hell is a fic? <laughs> yeah, well, it was that, too. He has no clue. I spent the first hour and a half going to Roseburg on Tuesday uh-huh. explaining fandom to my brother. That was my trip. And what was your brother's Ex- thoughts on the whole thing? He was very interested but not enough to actually join. Oh, so, oh that's nice. <laughs> but he listened to me for an hour and a half, so it was kind of fun. Yeah. Well, I just felt bad for Dudley during the entire thing, because you can picture, like, in the old movies, he'd be the guy who would, like, call the operator to make sure the line was still working, because he was waiting for Harry to call, and, the, and obviously the phone must be broken, because Harry's not <laughs> and, and, unfortunately... Well, but then there was the whole... Then there was the whole component of, you know, he was... Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, you felt bad that... That, that Dudley, you know, was writing the letters and then Harry was too busy looking at Hermione's boobs and shagging Hermione to write back to Dudley. And then and then I kind of felt good for Harry that he, he didn't write back to Dudley because really Dudley wasn't supposed to really be his friend anyway. And then he would have just been hurt worse. And so the whole, the whole Dudley thing just made me kind of meh. Well, let me ask this. Do you guys think it works? Because you basically have, like you said, character manipulation. I mean, with... With Neville, it's self-induced. He's on drugs. He's on steroids, essentially. So you know. Yep. Congress, I had that same. Con- Congress is investigating Neville now for steroid use, and they're going to have to invalidate the entire dueling thing because everyone's scores are now all screwed up now because of Neville taking drugs. Put an asterisk next to it; it'll be fine. Exactly. But with Dudley, hey, that's and- actually a good point. Do the, what does that do to the dueling scores? Well, it's funny too because I'm. He cares I'm, about the dueling scores. No, no, no. Because I'm it's reading. It's just a club. I'm it's rereading. Just a I'm club. rereading. I'm rereading the uh, the. the the, the trilogy I was discussing earlier, the one where Harry is preventing 9 11, and it opens with um, Hermione is filing like a class action lawsuit against Hogwarts because she got an E on her astronomy owl, but it wasn't a fair test because McGonagall was being shot in the middle of it, so she was distraught. 
<laughs> she wasn't able to focus, so she wants the That's results. A damn good point, though. Yeah, so she wants the uh. results invalidated. And McGonagall supports her a hundred percent. And I'm like, of course you do. You were shot. In the shot. Moment. Yeah. So, um, but, you know, it's actually a damn good point, though. It is, but now everyone has to retake the test, and they're all pissed at their mind because they all just scraped by. <laughs> they have to take the damn test. <laughs> so I thought that was. It, it but wait, you know what? I I never made that connection with the Dueling Club before, and you're right. What does that do to the result? Do you do you two one? Do you think Neville was the only one cheating, or is that cheating in terms of like? I guess it's sort of performance enhancing, right? And so, do you just take his scores out entirely? And but it was it her? was a but it's an extracurricular club. They weren't getting graded for it. Well, yeah, but they worked down hard. I mean, wouldn't you care? If this was, was, was there anything in the bylaws of the dueling club that prohibited him from using these substances? Can you play the rules of Hogwarts? It's, I assume if it's against the rules of Hogwarts, it's against. The- is it? I don't think it is. Mm-hmm. No. Because he's freely yeah. brewing the potion every couple of weeks in front of Snake. Think back to Naked Quidditch match right now. Neville could put at the end of his M mails, "I beat Harry Potter." Ask me how. <laughs> <laughs> Freaking awesome. With Hermione and the fact that she was under um, influence, and Dudley and the fact that you know they were shooting him up with some pretty good stuff because they he okay. Dudley was so happy he could really work at Trader Joe's supermarket. I'll put you that way. Those people are on lithium. When you walk in there, everyone's happy and they want to hug you. Hey, did you have an enjoyable Trader Joe's experience today? It's like going to visit Hufflepuff. Yes. No, we're yes. not that bad. They're they're literally like they look like they're gonna crack. I'm like, oh my god. Seriously, I think they're giving away lithium at the little you know like. You here's a sample. Take one. Like, Are they giving like, away ninja hugs? That's yeah. what we want to know. It's, it's frightening. And what, I, what, stop, stop, stop! What is this place? Tra- it's, it's like a, a, it's, it's a, it's it's a, a grocery, grocery store. store. It's a store. Yeah, it's a grocery store. Okay, one person, tell me. I Everyone, yell grocery wait. store at the same time. Grocery store. Grocery okay, store. Okay, good. Keep going. Exactly. But let me ask this: Do you think? Um, do you think the characterization for Hermione and for Dudley works, knowing that they were? manipulated, does it feel like the whole thing was a farce or does it actually feel like those were real people? That feels a little bit better. We know that the writing was not severely out of character. It was. It, it's all being attributed to the influence of this potion and these spells. So any complaints any of us may have had about the characterization we can presume are addressed here. And I think what we can draw from that is in the next fic and going forward, we should look to see how greatly Hermione actually matches the characterization we know about. What he said. We can start that in the third one. I don't think we should be looking for solid Hermione characterization in the second one. Well, yeah. not what we know now. I mean, obviously I know, and you know, and everyone who's read this before, we know. Mike's like, what's everybody talking about? What's wrong? Well, he can be used to that. He never knows what's going on anyway. Oh, sometimes he does, though. Sometimes it's surprising. He thought that Harry, Petunia, Desire, oh. Yeah. I can't but... say anything, because I was the one who was convinced that Maura Kennedy was Hermione Granger, and then Mike said, I think so too, and I'm like, I retract my claim. (laughs) It was existing characterization. It was that basically they enhanced certain characteristics of both. Removed her inhibitions. Yeah. And uh, yeah. at some point, going through puberty, did she probably want to jump Harry's bones? I'm sure there were moments, and then she found a book and got over it. So if, you know, <laughs> if, if, okay, I'm, rem- I'm reminded of that fic we found that was Hermione book, but, you know what I mean? Uh, I've seen that, it's scary. 
But, you know, I mean, I could see that, and I could see on some level that Dudley was a three-dimensional character who pitied Harry on some level and then got over it now all of a sudden. Basically, what Wormtail did was he canceled Dudley's cable, and Dudley had nothing else to do, so he, like, bonded with Harry and was like, write to me. Write to me, send the owl. I can't write back unless you send the owl. Yes. If you send the owl back, I will write and tell you about my rat that has a silver foot. <laughs> right my back. girlfriend. It was very interesting to I see what just... sort of affliction we gave Harry at this point. Because in canon, it was the loss of Sirius. Here, it's the loss of Dudley. And they made him important to Harry just to take him away. I think that's yeah. actually crueler than what happened in the canon. It's like, how do you grieve that? How do you grieve the loss of someone that you're not even sure really cared about you. Was it manipulation or would... And it's actually funny, too, because the character who's coming around to is Malfoy, and there's no manipulation there. It's pretty much... You know, if we can bring Malfoy around, can we bring Dudley around? You know, was it, it's, it's just interesting, too, what makes a person a person. That's but kind of deep. For 1130 that was wicked. Deep. I got a high distinction on my last assignment, which was a lesson plan on that very question, what makes a person a person? And Oops. where do they really exist? If you take Bob's brain and put it in Fred's body, is the body with Fred Bob or is it Fred? Because is it in your brain or where, where do you exist? It's very deep. Well, I just got to point out now, it's a very deep question, and I think it was done well here. And I know even for a very deep question, it can be done badly, because Star Trek Nemesis was an awful movie. Yes, yes, it was. (laughs) And they tried that same question there. They got got a bald guy, and they said, this is young Picard. He could be a Nazi. Can you just quickly recap, which one is Nemesis again? The one with um, Picard was a Romulan. They cloned Picard, and he was a Romulan leader, and he was like Satan incarnate. No, it's not the one with the crazy white-haired guy on the desert planet with the... No, no, that's Generations. No, that's... Um, okay, got no, you. No, it's gener- you're thinking uh, Final Frontier. Oh, the white-haired guy. I'm thinking it, Cyborg. I thought it was their point well, that destroyed, what? and they went back in time with Spock. It kills me as Mike, Mike has never seen an episode of Star Trek. But <laughs> One where they go back in time with the whales. That would be Star Trek Four. Yeah, that's four. Yes. Are you watching Star Trek? Anyway, hang on, hang on. Are you back on topic with something? What? My God. Sure, Mike. Back on topic. Oh, gosh. So, I, I was looking through the, the Dueling Club records, and in actual... Oh, God, you compiled... <laughs> Can I just say about the Dueling Club records, I was so, so, so tired of hearing who fought who and who won. It honestly reminded me of the, the Iliad, when there's hundreds of pages of who came to fight, and from where, and how many men he brought on his fleet of how many black-hulled ships... And I get that there's 20 people and everybody has to duel each other. And I like a well-written dueling scene just it's, as much as anybody. It's, too it's like the big black hole at the end of t- the Twilight series in Breaking Dawn where she lists every vampire that comes from across every part of the planet and what all their special abilities are and who they're related to and blah, blah, blah. Like blah. You say so. I haven't read it. I have no intention of reading it. <laughs> It's like the fic where Harry and Ginny have one ch- one son, they name him James, and they spoil him, and he had red, spiky hair. Okay. <laughs> Cute kid, I can see that. Then there's the fics where Harry had 27 children, here's all of their first and middle names, and I don't care, because like, I'm overloaded. <laughs> I found myself skimming whole pages, just because I was so bored. So like, 
The Half-Blood Prince video game. In the DS game, you wander around the castle and you talk to people, right? And they have all these names. Like, I'm sure in Order of the Phoenix, random Hufflepuffs will just speak to you. This time, on the little DS screen, they've all got names. There is endless numbers of people. Ethan Bexley. Like, who is Ethan Bexley? And Faye Dunbar. They randomly talk to you. You walk up to them. They walk up to you. They talk to you and going, Harry, I really like my new broom. Harry, I just got a great grade in Transfiguration. And you're like, I don't care. I'm trying. Who are you? You're an extra. Here is Dean. They're going, oh, did you see those Slytherins in the dungeon with the cold? (laughs) Like, I'm going to find Dean. That seems like what's going on here in this fic. It's like Barb's Harry suddenly realized that he's paid no attention to anybody except Ron and Hermione for the past four (laughs) years, and he suddenly wants to get to know everybody. (laughs) Yeah. And Ron and Mike is in the dryer. Mike's in the dryer. I can't hear him. Mike's in the dryer and Ron has a cat. I was saying I solved the dueling mystery. Okay. Oh, what is it? Okay. Congressman Mike over here has gone through the tapes. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, well, first I was looking at the results, and it wouldn't have mattered about Neville's drug use because the rank one winners were actually all undefeated, so it wouldn't really matter what Neville was doing. But then if you look more closely into it, you realize that Neville wasn't even in the dueling competition. He didn't get involved. The only person there here to be in the dueling competition were Harry, Ron, and Hermione. And then what? the other Gryffindors were Alicia, what? Ginny, and Colin, but they're not from his year. The only Gryffindors from their year to be involved in the contest are Harry, Ron, and Hermione. So why did they so talk about how Neville was doing really well why at dueling? Why does that year matter? Yeah, Neville duels with them. Am I remembering right. this right? But he's not in the official contest. So he's yes, he is. No, he has look to at be. the result. He's not. Yes, he is. Grander, Malfoy, Potter, Spinet, and Weasley. You're not looking at it right. He didn't get in on the first round of the first 15. Wasn't he one of the people who joined later? Yeah, he came in on the second 15. Yeah, that's what I thought. Check the very first chapter of this one, 24 that we did, because that starts with the Dueling Club. Harry, Hermione. Yeah. Neville, rank five, wins 14, losses five. Long bottom, Neville. Damn it, let's do this all over again. But he had <laughs> he had to come in Wait, and... Is he, ever, is he the person who gave the one loss to Harry Potter? Yes, he is. Yes, he's, Harry. Harry. is he also one of the people to give one of the losses to Hermione Granger? Yes. He beat Hermione. Neville, Harry, Harry, Hermione, and Ginny had each lost to Neville, but he lost to some people in his first week. Destroyed. Listen, Harry, Hermione, and Ginny had each lost to Neville, but he'd lost to some people in his first week, so their standings were unaffected. See, in there, it's unaffected. Case, uh, but that, that, would, that would imply, though, because in the first weeks he wasn't on the drugs, and then he's on the drugs, and suddenly he's doing well. And so you have no way of knowing, then, what the correct rankings are, because, oh, this is just so horrible now. <laughs> are we going to be able to interview her about this? Yes, we will have Barbo on. We will have an entire section on <laughs> Explain. <laughs> Why there was no inquiry, why there was no tribunal, and why they weren't stripped of all Can men. Can you picture men. Neville, his, his yellow eyes blankly staring ahead, his mouth, you know, in shock, in shock and awe, you know, sitting there in bed with Mike being the one sitting with him from, like, midnight to three, just saying, you know, Neville, I want you to know if you get through this, you destroyed the dueling club. <laughs> <laughs> 
If he defeated Harry and Hermione on drugs, right? Let's say he was off drugs and he still managed to defeat Harry, but now Hermione won because he wasn't on drugs. Then suddenly Harry's not the clear winner anymore. And the same thing could apply to write any of these scores all the way down because there's only a handful of them where there's a gap of more than one win. So, hey, you know, kid, this Mike, is my solution, right? No, no, this is the solution. Sure. It's called Harry Potter and a Psychic Serpent. Harry Potter is the hero, the central figure, and he has to win. So it doesn't matter if Neville's on drugs. Harry was always going to be the dueling champion because he's Harry Potter. Like in the Harry. musical, <laughs> there's a line in it somewhere, and he's like... Hey, Joe! Hey, hey, come on, dance with me. I'm Harry Potter. Let's go. That's that. <laughs> That's That's right. what it is. He's Harry Potter. So Let's say works. even theoretically Harry still wins the competition. Let's say I give you that. The <laughs> only people who have a two-win margin are Hermione in Virginia in ranks two and three. Recently, Ravenclaw House decided the remaining Wisingamot seats based on who won the baseball. And I had to trust that Dave is rightful. I know. I have absolutely no idea what they mean. So you could talk this up, Mike, and I'd still be sitting here at the end going, ha, he's Harry Potter! Come on! I'm saying, let's even (laughs) say Harry Potter wins the dueling tournament. I mean, mathematically, we can't say that. Mathematically, about that. Uh, hold on. Let's table this discussion until we get part on the podcast. Um, uh, I would like to ask her if she has in her mind who Neville beat artificially and who he beat on his own. I think he beat everyone because he was on drugs. Hey, why don't you leave Neville Longbottom alone, huh? Everyone, All right. Jack will wake up. We're moving on. All right. Now, speaking of him being on drugs, I actually really liked the point where his bugger was just a glass or a whatever of the Eutharosos potion. I thought that was really nicely done. Yeah, well, that was good. You can just see Neville doing something like that, too. Just, you know, he needs something because he's so lonely and he's the one guy out and everything. And- but there's even that line where Moody's like, you must be so upset, your friend. And Harry's you know, I never, I don't even really know him. Well, Moody walks in, you know he's going to die now, right? <laughs> <laughs> thanks, thanks. So glad I called you. I love that Harry goes after Draco, slams him up against the wall or whatever he does, and says, "How come you didn't tell anybody that Neville was brewing these potions?" Ginny's standing there like, the whole time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what? I was I wasn't paying attention to Neville. I was watching Ginny. Thanks very much. I too am a boob man. <laughs> <laughs> This is probably very random. It's the last note I made, and it's got nothing to do with anything else. But I liked this line. I think it's from Dumbledore. 25 points each from Gryffindor for flying into the Forbidden Forest. Does no one remember the name of that name place? Name of that place. Yes, I, I love that. that. I love it. Forbidden. Forbidden. You may not go there. It is forbidden. Verboten. Right, I'm going from memory here. I read this book about three years ago. Is it Roger? Who, who burns in the forest. Um, oh, Roger's brother, Evan. Evan. Because yeah. Evan turns dark at the end. Right. Wait, that's not are in this part. Spoiling, Ryan? I have no idea if I'm remembering I, this. I believe you are. Yeah, I think you're spoiling. Am I spoiling? Cut. <laughs> I was very distracted by the fact that Malfoy wanted to know the details of Harry's sex life. Draco yeah, had one of the best stop. lines in here. I have to share this line. He's talking to Ron. Draco says he's suggesting that after he kills Hermione, he can have sex with her. He's like, what's a little necrophilia between friends? <laughs> <laughs> it's like Ron's like shaking his head like... Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I not actually, a bad idea, you know? I, I think you've gone over to the bad place. In all seriousness, the thing that I liked about that scene, even though I, I'm mocking it, I actually really liked Ron in that scene. Did somebody say Ron Weasley? You could sort of see, like, he's obviously, he's with Pavardi or whatever, but you can see that he actually really wants Hermione and just... Uh, yeah. I just... <laughs> <laughs> well, he's so that one time, and I gotta say, is that a prediction of canon or what? Did that actually happen? I thought there were yeah, a lot just, of things in these, it in just these stories so that were like, like so Frank and Gwen Longbottom or something like that. It was Gemma. Like, Emma, yeah, Gemma. Yeah, it was like, uh, well, you got Frank. So there were other things too. I would have to go back through and and relook at. Them. I have a question: Why did they stop giving Hermione Viagra? I mean, or whatever that. <laughs> the potion and it, it wore off after a certain amount of time but she was so used to doing it she was she just kept on doing it and harry got you know lots of love and boob for it and good for him but i'm saying why didn't they give another dose of uh whatever they didn't have access to her yeah they put blood well, pills in her sing. pumpkin juice it lasts for six months, doesn't it? About wasn't that, that the yeah. whole deal? Because yeah. it was, it was the like deal of why was... they were so important about when they had sex for the first time. Yeah. To know it whether or so not much... she was still under the charm. But yeah. what, I, was... I, what I don't understand is why does it matter whether or not Hermione was under the charm? Do you know what I mean? Like, I didn't understand why that was important. Okay, so this is I what I got from it. They mattered... Yeah, it doesn't matter to Lucius. I think doing it just to really mess with with Harry and Hermione. I, I think right. they're yeah. just delight dragging it out so everybody can look at it. Uh, they're trying to humiliate the characters here. And probably, I'm thinking they were trying to annoy Ron because um, he doesn't want to be lashed to a tree with vines or whatever it was and have to listen to, oh, um, no, I think we did it in March. No, no, I'm pretty sure it was in the bathroom in April. Well, they're trying to wind him up so that he'll cast unforgivable curses and such. And it's important to Harry because if she was still under the spell or the charm when it happened, then it's not real. It's the double whammy for Harry because he doesn't know if his relationship with Dudley was real and he doesn't know if his relationship with Hermione is real. So he's getting... I get that. I get why Hermione and Harry would psychoanalyze it and investigate it. I don't get why Lucius and Draco were so... Intense. Just to grind salt in the wounds, I think. I, the way the, this Lucius and this Draco at this point have, have been written, Draco is a good actor, but the way Lucius has been written, they just seem cruel for the sake of being cruel. They don't care, but as long as it's going to magnify the pain of the characters, then they're all for it. Or it starts off like that. What I think happens is it starts off, they're kind of, oh, we're going to grind Harry and Hermione's face in the ground by telling them that she was on Viagra and they were like, you know, screwed up. <laughs> And then, oh god! <laughs> it's because they got all bullying. Like we gave you this six-month potion to you know make you have sex with each other. Blah ha 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 ha! And they're like, when did you give us the potion? Ha ha ha! We slipped it to you whenever. We're like, wait a minute, that didn't work then. And they're like, really? Is that possible that our potion didn't work? Our Viagra, or whatever, didn't work. <laughs> No, correct. Okay. Yeah, I, can you imagine being Ron having to listen to that? You know? No, I can't. That's why I felt so bad reading the scene. I was like, oh my 
fun, Ron. I would be killing someone. Ron is willfully ignorant in this because he should have figured that out when he saw that. Ron is so intense. Like, in the beginning, Harry jokes about dating Ginny, and Ron's, like, the ultimate mood killer. You would have known it was a bloody good idea that you didn't do that because we would have killed you. Something like that, yeah. (laughs) And then later on, there's the thing with the picture in the bikini and everything, and Ron's, like, standing at the door saying... I, I must say, on the subject of the picture of Hermione in the bikini, Neville must be brain damaged, because what the hell was he thinking handing it to Draco? <laughs> I think it's the universal standard that cuts across all houses. If you're a boob man, you're a boob man, you don't care. It's a Slytherin, if it's Say, I'm sitting there, I'm reading that, and Hermione's making up all the stuck to another photo, and I didn't mean to send it to Harry, but I... She was lying her ass off! What yeah. the hell? I'm like, just tell Ron that you're going out. <laughs> and her, her justification later is it wasn't the right time. You know, so strapped to a tree in the Forbidden Forest is the right time for Ron to find out that Hermione and Harry have been banging each other for six months. Was the birth control pill, because the birth control pill had a like, Ophelaxis potion, whatever the hell it was, Phylaxis. worked for six months. No, because yeah. I haven't read oh. it in a while. Was there any connection between that potion and the potion that Hermione was given? Because it also has a six month. Mm, I don't think so. No, no, he's not saying that at all. No, I'm not saying that at all. Hermione starts getting acne for some reason. We can't figure out why. Hermione's pregnant. No. 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 You know, she says she's been on it for two months or something. But I kept reading yes. prophylaxis potion. And you know how they're always called a contraceptive charm or a contraception mm. potion? And this is a prophylaxis potion. And I'm thinking, what, does it, like, make a condom magically appear? You know, because I'm not used to prophylaxis being used in any other sense than for <laughs> a condom. Though it can refer to other methods of well, I, things. Technically, it's anything that interferes with yeah, exactly. tab A and slot B. Or well, it can eat, it's a, an antibiotic. It's a prophylaxis because it interferes with the biotics and it's antiing them. So <laughs> all I have in mind, <laughs> Doctor Keza, we'll be back. Oh my goodness! <laughs> but all I had in my mind is that you take the prophylaxis potion, and then when you're getting busy and you get it on this like condom, like magically appears. So that, yeah. Was that like condom? What was that? <laughs> well, we should also point out for young listeners, condoms are not actually a foolproof. Um, they're 99.9% effective. I did this on I researched the most effective methods. You did. Yes, you did. Please, the condoms are having sex. I'm just saying, be aware. Isn't no such thing as foolproof birth control. Abstinence is a foolproof method of birth control. Oh my god! Thank we you, just Bristol Palin. <laughs> uh, unless you're talking about the rogue sperm. Oh my god! We, we, we just got, we just got a public service announcement on sex for Mike. We just lost the South. <laughs> we apologize to all Southerners and Bristol Palin. I'm not pro abstinence. You know, I have no problem with candidates having sex with each other. Oh, thank you, Mike. I was looking for a clip for the intro. Thank you. Thank you, thank you Mike. That was awesome. I'm, I'm just saying, you know, my junior high school, half my junior high school had had sex with each other, really. So I, I, I'm not. I'm, not I'm just saying you should be aware that even when you're using a barrier method or a birth control, there is always a slight risk, and you should, you know, have that factored in and don't ignore it.
when you fool around. <laughs> Thank you, Mike. <laughs> 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 you remember before we were explicit? <laughs> no, I don't remember that at all. No, ever. Mike, Mike, I appreciate yep. your warning, and I wish that you had told me seven and a half years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I have one thing to say. I have three children. One of them was playing. I have one thing to say. My grandmother gave birth to my to her first daughter when she was twenty two. She gave birth to my mother when she was forty three. Oops. <laughs> my girlfriend, there is seven children. There is like a seventeen year age difference at least. I thought you just said your girlfriend had like twenty seven children. I was I couldn't She's hear you like oh, seven. There's a family that we know who when their youngest was about uh thirteen ish they had five children ranging from, you know, about 12 to something like 17 and then they had a bit of an incident and they announced to the family that they were going to have a new brother or sister and the children were like oh that's wonderful hang on you've been doing it and you've probably been doing it in the house well we were here Mm. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) instead of promoting abstinence why don't you just promote forms of sexual involvement that don't involve actual penetration wouldn't that make the most sense? Mike. Um. <laughs> I think it's time to thank Barb for letting us cover the psychic serpent. You would think there'd be more advertisements, you know, urging kids instead of having, you know, sex in the sort of like the cliche old fashioned way to, to be more creative about it. Do it more- All right. <laughs> All right, so either you're encouraging advertisements that promote mutual masturbation or anal sex. I was thinking more oral, but okay. You can still get, okay. You get pregnant. I'm talking pregnancy, not disease. You'd have to make clear that we're not dealing with disease. So we're pro-disease, anti-pregnancy. <laughs> Assuming you've both been tested, you should be tested before any relationship. But if you want the whole, whole proof method to avoid impregnation, there it is. All right. I just bought a DVR. I never had one before. And I decided to DVR Boston Legal because I had never seen it. And it, it, it because DVR. you love Shatner that I love Shatner. And I got like 15 Uh-oh. episodes. I stayed up till like 5 o'clock in the morning. I watched all of them. There was an episode where one of the lawyers sues William Shatner's character for sexual harassment, or as they refer to it, sexual harassment, because they're all from California. Yeah, they're commit sexual harassment. So they tell oh. him, go in there and apologize. So he walks in and he apologizes. And I don't remember the exact dialogue, but he's like, look, I'm very insecure about sex and I'm an older guy and, you know, I, I overcompensate. I'm very sorry. Now, can we talk about you now? Because I found the women who usually sue and usually complain about these things, it's the chubby women. Now, I'm I'm, I'm pro-chubby <laughs> women. I'm pro-chubby sex. I enjoy chubby sex. And you know what? I feel like you're just crying out because you're having issues with your chubby sex and i just want you to know i'm there for you we good now uh, that's all i can think of during this episode it's like all right then mike's like no i'm, I'm totally in favor of everyone having so oh god oh god oh god <laughs> so i feel right now and you could just see the look on her face was like her head was turning in a 45 degree angle like this is the apology i'm really suing now like this has to be one of my favorite episodes of Harvick Weekly, even though we barely talked about the fic. But it's okay, because we're doing six more episodes, so I'm sure we'll I can, get it. I can segue us back to the fic here. Go, hurry. So they go off to, <laughs> to the funeral and to get new clothes, and we find out that lifts are scary. But then they're at the hotel, and 
Hermione's like, ah, I'm tired. And Harry's like, ah, I think I'm tired too. And they go off and they fall asleep together, but nothing happens. And then they get up for dinner and then they go back to bed. And in the middle of the night, someone's knocking on the door and she sneaks into bed with him. And Ron bursts in in the morning. Because you can never see that coming. No. no. Well, and Harry and Hermione seem to think that they are going to be spies later on in their life. They think they're clever. I've read that fic where they are. <laughs> <laughs> well, the authors know each other. That's what it is. I know. This is one of my grievances throughout all of this fic. Harry and Hermione are trying to hide the fact that they're really sneaking around together, but they're sneaking around in the most obvious places, like the Transfiguration classroom and the girl's dorm and... The girls' prefect bathroom. It's like nobody would ever go there. I love the fix where like they go to the transfiguration classroom and there's a line because everyone <laughs> goes to the transfiguration classroom. <laughs> I always refer to the, the astronomy tower as a multi-purpose function facility because you can die up there, you can have kids up there, you can take classes up there. Like a, you can propose marriage, tower. propose marriage, release and- you know errant dragons. <laughs> It's actually, if you look at the video game, the Half-Blood Prince video game, it's not a very secure room because there's no door. You just go spiraling up the staircase and, like, there's a blank platform floor. It's not very private, actually, the astronomy tower. Maybe they just hang a necktie or something down at the bottom. Go to the fluffy room instead. I think we'll hereby call that the flucking room. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the one where Gen 2 blushed. All right, um, I think we're reaching the point now where we've killed it, so final thoughts on these... Just anything in my notes yet. <laughs> <laughs> Quick, run through your notes. You've missed the boat. <laughs> missed the boat. Sandy leaves, and Sandy I'm sad. Very, it's very sad. Well, Sandy had to leave. I know, Sandy's Sandy had to leave. Oh. Was I reading this wrong? But uh, Ron uses the prefix shower, and Draco gives him a bad time. And yes, Ron says something cr- about, "Well, I'll tell her, you know, Ginny that you're not very well built." And he starts to say, "Well, I'll tell." Oh, I guess I won't. So apparently, yeah, uh, yes, you read that correctly. Ron and Harry are are built. That was the comment says, that I and opened. Then he got a really good bananas. look at them and was speechless. Well, my thing was Draco missed a really, really good comeback. <laughs> Can anyone else guess what the comeback is? Mike? You don't have a girlfriend? No. I, I don't know. I was trying to blot the scene out of my memory. Well, so. the point where I'm going to tell Ginny how you're built, Draco's response would be, what makes you think Ginny doesn't know? Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> and he'd be dead. She already like- offered to get a unicorn to prove that she still was a virgin. Yeah, that's true. I have that doesn't mean she hasn't somewhere. seen the just- Slytherin serpent. Can I just clarify... <laughs> When he stops and is speechless because he's got a really good look at them, is that acknowledging that Ron and Harry have no physical inadequacy in the groin area? No, it's no, I, not they, inadequacy. They are, they're large bananas. Large bananas is, is probably is, is that, that's what it, That's what Draco is speechless over, they're large bananas? Yes. I believe so. Just checking, talking about the musical, but... <laughs> At the end, there's a snake attached to Snake's banana. <laughs> well, I think what we could argue here is that both um, for Harry and Ron, their you know, little boys there have dropped. So I think we can confirm that. To, to book and we've come full circle. It must be time to end. <laughs> we've come full circle. Yes. So any other final thoughts you guys have? Right, no, but I'm you. going to see Half-Blood Prince at the movie theater in three days and five hours.
And for those of you yeah, listening to this on the iTunes feed, please pick up Half Blood Prince on DVD. DVD. Are sold. <laughs> Mike, do you have any other public service announcements for our listeners before we take off? Not for the podcast. I have something for after the podcast. Oh, because it's not suitable to be aired on the podcast. And I, just, like, I, I encourage young teenagers to have. Okay, there's nothing. Okay. <laughs> Good. So um, we're going to take off now so Mike can say something that's not suitable for all age groups. And with that, have a good night, everybody. Good, good night. night. All right, Mike, what do you have? Have any of you actually seen Quicksand ever? And if so, how, like, you know, ignoring, like, sort of cartoons, how fast do you actually sink in Quicksand? Welcome well, back to Parfic Weekly. This is Ryan. I was Mike, a... can you ask your question again, please? Uh, but I, I was curious if any of you had actually seen Quicksand, and if you have, if you had any idea of, like, outside of cartoons, like, how fast do people really sink in it? Is it really true that if you just stay still, sink less fast than if you struggle and try to swim out of it? All right, I want everyone to hear this. These are the questions Mike has to hold until after the recording is complete. Let me, let me tell you, Mike, I was down in South America at one time, and I did fall into some quicksand, but uh, she pulled me out. It was great. A sheep? She. She. <laughs> because she knows how to survive. Oh, uh, okay. There you go. Okay, with that, I am totally gone. All right. Have a good day. No, for me, that wasn't very helpful at all. <laughs> no, it wasn't. I'm glad you realized that. That was not helpful to me at all. So hold on to the wonder that goes both. Keep each other safe. Keep faith. Good night. Welcome to Peoncast. In this episode, we have two regular peons and two guest peons. So, three Hufflepuffs and a Gryffindor walk into a podcast. And the guest peons steal the show. Also, once again, Kayla is podcasting from her bistro. Sit back and enjoy a new perspective as we bring you Peoncast. The next generation. Tellison, I'm recording. Have some freaking respect. None of your business, but you're being rude. Oh my gosh, this is so exciting. I just love this part. Okay, welcome to Peoncast, everybody. I'm Sue. I'm Kayla. I'm Laswin. And I'm Dan. We are doing the second in the F-Words series. This one will be Fame. The author is Antasha, and this can be found on phoenixsong.net. So, would somebody like to start us off? I'm going to be so mean during this because I'm a Gryffindor, and... I'm not really too afraid to, like, be mean, and I'm, like, stuck in a room with Hufflepuffs. <laughs> Y'all are going to make me out to be the Witch of the West. We needed, you know, somebody that wasn't a Hufflepuff with us. So I kind of, I had a little bit of trouble getting into this one. For one thing, the transition between Fred and Harry, it didn't make sense. I thought this was, like, going to be about Fred and a memorial service for Fred. But then all of a sudden it kind of, like, switched to Harry, and it was like, all right, what's on here. Can I interrupt you for a second? Did you read the one before it? 
No, I did not. Okay. Well, that's why. That, that probably doesn't help. And that's because we didn't tell you about it. Probably not. I didn't know that it was just like another one. I thought it was this one. It was. This is actually a series, and each oh. is meant to be read on its own, but each kind of plays off the one that's before it. So last week we did the first one, and that's why it wasn't as confusing to us, because the first one is the funerals. That just gives you a little background. But go ahead and go, because it's good to have other opinions and thoughts. Well, coming from that view, then, I just, I didn't even think that it was about his funeral because it mentioned that, but it just, it goes straight from talking about Fred to talking about Harry, and it was like, well, there was no explanation given. All of a sudden, they're like singing Harry's praises. And mm-hmm. I thought it was more about Fred. And that that really did bug me. Mm, that makes sense. Because, I mean, it says like right here, finally, Kingsley got up and made the actual presentation. Order of Merlin second class. George got up and accepted it speechless for once. The huge audience applauded and Harry's sense of ill ease quadrupled. Like the crowd who began to lean forward, he knew what was coming next. Thankfully, there would only be one testimonial. Well, I kind of, I really did think that they were going to, like, give something more for Fred because it didn't, there was no foreshadowing that it was going to be Harry, you know? Mm-hmm. It just, it made absolutely no sense to me. I told you guys I was going to be the main one. No, no, it's good. It's understandable coming from your viewpoint. It's not mean. It's true. Yeah. I actually agree. But there is the problem there, because even the word testimonial, you've got that ambiguity about whether it's about Fred or about Harry and what's happening here. It's it's a very sudden and forced switch. Mm-hmm. There is nothing to let you know what's coming. There's no evidence of what's coming. It's very sudden and very forced. And that may well be what the author was trying to guess at. But I don't think it worked very well, personally. That could be, too. I didn't really notice. <laughs> so it's not just because I'm mean and on painkillers? I didn't really notice, maybe because I was reading it during my lunch hour at school, so I was trying to read it pretty... Oh no, I read it yesterday. I was trying to do my notes, so I didn't really notice. But yeah, I can see coming from you, like your viewpoint of not reading the first one that you'd get confused, because I probably would have gotten pretty confused too. But I really enjoyed Mm -hmm. it. Um, I'm really enjoying this series so far. I've actually read a chapter ahead. It seems to stick very close to canon, and I haven't read a lot of posts. Deathly Hollows fix that go like right after the war like this. So I'm really liking the writing. That's great. I have actually been reading several right around this time period. So I'm kind of getting used to it. But it's always interesting to me to see how they like get the Grangers back. I love that the Grangers are newly returned from Australia looking happy and tan. Completely oblivious. Yes. Oh, goodness. I hate it that. I absolutely freaking hated that. Yeah, I found it strange too. I didn't like it either. I mean, regardless, you know, even if they're back, I'm sure that Hermione, I'm sure that she would have explained that, you know, a bunch of people that she knew were dead and that they were at like a memorial service thing. I mean, that made absolutely no sense. That just made me so angry. It made me angry at Hermione too. Because seriously, how dumb does she have to be to not tell her parents? I mean, come on. Well, you know, in a lot of the fics that I've read, she keeps it quite a bit of a secret what she's been up to and stuff like that. Yeah, but you would think that, 
after seeing all her friends die, having Lupin and Tom and Fred die, that would have messed her up. I would have thought that when she would have went to her parents, she would not have just played it off. She would be crying. Bugged me. <laughs> okay. Unless she wanted to protect her parents from it all. I mean, that's the thing. It is odd. But if she wanted to protect her parents from what was happening or what had happened, now that it's all over, you don't need to give them the full force of it. Well, no, the thing is, while she did want to protect her parents, she modified their memories and sent them to Australia. You would think, coming home, she would have to explain. Because I know that if I did that, my backside would be black and blue when I got home. If I did not have a damn good explanation for that. So I don't think that her parents would be just all, oh, well, let's walk through the tulips. I I know, especially if my kid did that, I would demand an explanation. But you might not get a full explanation. The other thing is, Hermione's just survived a war, and she's the only person involved who her parents even know. So what hits home to them hardest is, she survived and she won, or helped win. That's going to be what's hitting hardest to them home at the moment. Maybe, but I mean, when you think about it, the Grangers are supposedly supposed to be a little bit closer to the Weasleys. Well, the Weasleys just lost a kid. You know, I'm sure that Molly, at the very least, would have told Mr. and Mrs. Granger what had happened. You know, to explain why everyone was bawling their eyes out. I'm sure they know, but what they're at the moment is, equ- is in equal parts a memorial service and an awards ceremony. Session. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not the only one. Sorry about that. <laughs> it's fine. I had a chair in front of a closed door and my mom was trying to get in. Apparently I didn't actually tell her what was going on. <laughs> Maybe I should be a little bit nicer to Hermione. Considering <laughs> she's in your house. <laughs> <laughs> Who found it strange that the Malfoys and the Parkinsons were there? <laughs> Did that throw anyone out or was it just me? Yeah. No? Not not so much. I mean, in, in the previous chapter... Well, I didn't, actually. I mean, it's a ministry-sanctioned event, so I'm sure that they would be there. But it was a little bit strange that Lucius was not in Azkaban. Yeah, that was odd. Them being there, in the previous chapter, it talks about the purebloods turn up to other pureblood funerals, even if they hate them. Mm-hmm. Now, the, the only exceptions being blood traitors, like Tonks. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's made pretty explicit in the previous chapter. Well, Tonks isn't a pureblood anyway. She's a half-blood like Harry. She's referred to as a member of a pureblood family, though. Don't, don't ask me. <laughs> they didn't show up for her because, well, they had lots of reasons. Like werewolves. Yeah, and other sordid things. So they're going to have the testimonial. I love that it's Professor McGonagall that gets up to talk about him. <laughs> I love that speech. <laughs> That was so awesome. Yeah. Over the course of nearly 50 years, as a professor at Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry, it has been my pleasure, she said, her voice echoing in the huge space, now unencumbered by the monumental statue. It has been my pleasure to teach students who were great scholars and taught me more than a thing or two about my own subject. Great citizens who reimagined the social structure of Hogwarts and of our society outstanding theorists and spell weavers whose imagination and skill when it came to magic knew new bounds. Peering out into the crowd, McGonagall closed her mouth into its familiar straight, thin-lipped line before the edges twitched up cat-like. I love that part. 
Harry Potter was never one of those students. Everybody gasped. Barney let out a huff. <laughs> that was great. Ginny snorted. <laughs> that was the part that I loved. It was kind of building up to that point, that obvious point, but it was so well written and so well timed and well paced that even though it was obviously coming, you couldn't help but laugh. Right. Well, no, I disagree. I don't think it was obviously coming. I mean, Harry, he's like, he's the greatest person that ever walked the planet. So for her to like be singing all these praises, I did think actually that she was going to say, you know, Harry Potter is the greatest. Oh, I didn't see that because I knew he wasn't. Yeah, like we know he's not, but to these people, like if you look at it from just some random dude in a chair there, you'd be thinking that she was going to say next, Harry Potter is the greatest of these. Well, that's what she goes on to say. She says he was greatest of these but not in those academic areas. I mean, that's the thing. Harry's greatness, and everyone kind of knows it, but won't acknowledge it as obviously as she did, is not in the academic areas. He's not a, a Hermione genius. He's a leader, and she goes on to talk about that. But she's not going to lie and say that he was this brilliant academic person when we all know he wasn't. Well, no, I mean, think about it. She says, great citizens who reimagined the social structure of Hogwarts and of our society. Well, who was one of the greatest people that did that? It was Lord Voldemort and Harry. Lord Voldemort, the difference was he was not a great citizen. He was powerful, and he reimagined the social structure as pure blood and mud blood. And that was the difference. Harry Potter, however, he reimagined it as no lines whatsoever. So it could have been talking about him. Harry didn't so much reimagine the nature of the society as just try and preserve what was already there and improve it in a less of a reimagining than just an extension of what already existed. He wasn't one for great political reforms or these sweeping changes on that level. He's more going, okay, we'll defeat this big evil who's going to kill everyone. That's, that's the difference. Well, no, I don't agree with that. Like what you said, you know, he wasn't one for big political reformations. I don't agree with that, you know, because think about what he did at the ministry helping the catamults or about what he did when he ran on the run or even well he didn't exactly like it at one point he did end up becoming the pretty much the abraham lincoln of this world i think though that the difference is that he didn't do it out of a sense of politicalness or something like that he did it out of a sense of we're mostly hufflepuff so i'm going to go ahead and say it Hufflepuffishness. Harry <laughs> is not a Hufflepuff. He's a Gryffindor. Stop stealing my house members. <laughs> but he treated the house elves as equals. Mm -hmm. He didn't have the preconceived notions that a lot of the wizarding world did about werewolves, about house elves, about the different creatures. And he treated them as he would want to be treated what happened because of what he did may have caused the reforms but he didn't consciously think to himself okay i'm going to go out and cause reforms because that's not what he was thinking he was just being the best person that he could be in a really bad situation well to that extent i kind of agree and kind of disagree because i mean think about it, in order of the phoenix even though hermione and ron came to him with Dumbledore's army thing, he still agreed to be the leader, and he was the one that powered everyone. He was the one that made those speeches saying, you know, we can do this up to us. So He's definitely a great leader. 
Does, I don't think there's any dispute about that. He wasn't doing it for attention or for power, though. Harry Potter is truly the best kind of leader. I mean, that's what Professor McGonagall says, that he's the best kind of leader. But that doesn't mean he's going to be a grand social architect. He's a leader in a battle of resistance against a change. He's not going to reimagine the society as different from what it is, but what he's going to do is resist this negative change to it. Well, I think that the best way to sum it up is to just read the quote out of the fic that you kind of danced around a few times, where McGonagall says, Yet, as we have all discovered, Harry Potter is truly the best kind of leader, one who leads not by speeches or by force of will, but simply by example. And I think that's kind of what you were starting to say, was that... White. What I'm trying to say in the end is that he's not trying to change society. He's trying to keep society basically the same. Well, no, the thing is, he is making a social change, because when you look at what happens, what happens throughout all this, one of the things that really bugs him is that Hermione is called a mudblood. That there is a major difference between Hermione and Draco Malfoy. That's the preconceived notions of the wizarding world. That Hermione is not as good as Draco Malfoy. He is trying to change that. He's a figurehead rather than himself trying to bring about the revolution. When Voldemort takes power, he's trying to change things back to how they were before. He's not trying to advance them from that. Yeah. At that time. I don't know. I think we're just going to have to agree to disagree on that one because I don't see that point at all. I really don't see it like that. Okay. Well, we will agree to disagree on that and move on. I just had one quick point. I think a lot of Harry's selflessness from when he gave himself up for others and everything and going into the forest, um, I'm wondering if it was because the way he grew up with the Dursleys and he was never allowed to take care of himself and he was always have to look after them and like do their breakfast and clean up after them and whatnot. So I'm wondering if it would have been the same if he had grown up in the wizarding world or say his parents had lived if he would have in the same like that like he probably still would have to an extent but i don't think to the extent where he was in canon if his parents had lived i think he would have been because his parents seem to have been the same way you know, putting themselves forward putting themselves in harm's way to help others so i think if his parents had lived he would have been almost exactly the same way if he'd grown up in the wisdom world without them living he'd have had a very different self-image because unless he was brought up with Death Eater, pure blood. Then he would have thought of himself as this grand hero with a boy who lived. He would have had this self-image yeah, of sure. himself as really valuable. Well, no, if he grew up with Death Eaters, then he would have been trying to think that he was to, he was not a hero. He was something, he was someone horrible because he brought down the Death Eaters leader. If he was brought, if he was brought up with any wizarding family who weren't Death Eaters, he would have thought of himself as a hero, really valuable, who couldn't put himself in harm's way mm-hmm. for fear of dying and then, you know, the effects that would have on the morale of the wizarding world. If he'd been brought up with Death Eaters, yeah, he probably would have got an even worse self-image. It's true. Wouldn't put him in, himself in harm's way because he would have thought he was worthless. Yeah. <laughs> if I was thinking, too, if he had grown up with the Death Eaters, I think maybe he would have kind of had a big head, too, kind of like Draco, just because... For a while, didn't they think he was going to be the next Dark Lord since he had powers that rivaled Lord Voldemort and everything? Well, yeah, but I mean, there's evidence in canon that even while he was thought to be the next great Dark Lord, you know, Lucius Malfoy in Chamber of Secrets and also in Order of the Phoenix, he still was really 
Patty. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the only way to, to describe him. He seemed like the girls at my old middle school, you know, just yeah. Patty towards Harry. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think even if he would have been, even if he would have lived with the Death Eater families, you know, he still wouldn't have been revered as some hero. He did kill their hero, as far as they knew. In fact, at the end of the series, he does kill their hero. I don't think he would have had this image of himself as a really big-headed, great hero, because I don't think they would have let him. They would have run him down if he'd even lived to see Eleven with Death Eaters. Because there's got to be some way that Death Eaters could knock off somebody living with them without anyone realising. Harry makes this wonderful speech. And there's that moment in the speech when he looks out at Luna. That seems to be harking back to the last chapter. Where he looks at Luna and talking to Luna gives him that confidence, doesn't it? Yeah. Or not talking in this case, but just seeing her out there. There seems to be some sort of link between Harry and Luna, but it's not evident in canon, I don't think. Well, yeah, think about it. To the extent that as soon as he sees her, he's calmed, he suddenly has all this confidence. Think about what happened right after Sirius left. Who was the one that really did comfort him? Now, when he saw the Thestrals, who was the one there that calmed him down? You know, Luna, she really is like this in canon. I can't quite remember, but wasn't Ginny and Harry's daughter named Lily Luna? I mean, obviously, he has a connection with Luna. True. If it's a bit more pronounced in this book, maybe it's just me noticing it more because the last chapter half of it was about interaction with Luna. But it seems to be that this highlighted connection between Harry's confidence and Luna's being there. Well, yeah, I mean, that makes perfect sense. Besides, you know, Ginny and Hermione and, I mean, even more than Ron, like, to a very large extent, Luna has been a better friend to Harry than Ron has. She never was one of the ones who, like, hero-worshipped him, whereas Ginny, Hermione, and Ron, they all did at one point. Luna was never like... Luna's very Hufflepuff in being loyal to a fault. Just her presence there grounds him. I think that's kind of the word. She grounded him at the funeral in the first one that we read where, you know, he just wasn't sure. And just having her there just really grounded him. And in this, she grounds him just the sight of her, gives him the, you know, like Dan said, the the confidence boost to be able to go ahead and do this thing. Because public speaking, as we all know, is not his forte. But he got through it and he got through it because he had that that connection with her. She continued to smile at him serenely. And that's all she needed to do. And that just gave him that grounding that he just needed. So, Is it just me or is there a certain irony in the term we use about Luna being grounding? I mean, she's off in her own little world building castles in the clouds. And she grounds everyone right. else. I mean, there's got to be an irony in there somewhere. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'll agree with that. I don't know. I think, I really do think that Luna, you know, coming from my own experiences... And I'm not going to, like, start getting on a soapbox and preaching, but from a lot of my own experiences, you know, people told me, well, you know, you're just chasing dreams with this God thing. You know, there's there's no God. You know, there's no higher learning. You know, you should just give it up. And I kind of see a lot of myself in Luna because she is chasing something, and she does have something in mind that's not exactly the popular sight or belief, but it is hers, and it is real. To her, it may not be to everyone else, but it is to her. And I don't think that's building castles in the air. No, that's I, th- I think true. the difference between, you know, your Christianity and her beliefs is that your Christianity is a single unified thing and hers are 
collection of like, superstitions from a religion, as it were. They're a collection of completely varied, completely random, this, that and the other, rather than anything specific. Because of the animals and things that she believes in. Well, it's not just that. It's because her sum total of beliefs is, well, this exists, this exists, this exists. Now, it's, it's a very mixed set of beliefs. No, it's childlike. That's what it is. Because think about it, you know, when you go up to a little girl or a little boy and you ask, do fairies exist? They, of course fairies exist. You know, if you ask if magic exists, yes, of course magic exists. It's at some point, in something that I've read, Hermione's telling Luna, well, you know, none of this exists, right? No one else believes this. And Luna turns around and says, well, that's funny because muggles don't think magic exists, yet here we are. I don't think there's anything random about Luna. All of her beliefs, her supposed superstitions, they all fell under, like, certain categories. Dinosaurs, dragons, every single place around the world has a story about them. And in dinosaurs, there were certain chambers in them that scientists now believe could have been holding flames. Well, if a dinosaur had flames, what would that make him? That would make him a dragon. And yet dragons are mythical. They're not supposed to exist. So obviously, you know, it's not just some weird thing. She's not just loony and loopy. You know, there is logic in there. I love how I just, like, brought everyone to silence. What, did I give you guys great thinking points? I had not heard the dinosaur thing before, so I'm kind of thinking about that, but yeah. (laughs) Well, instead of, like, playing with Barbies, I read a lot of stuff about dinosaurs. Touch base again just a little bit on Harry's speech, because I really liked the part I had talked earlier about him including the werewolves, the house elves, and things like that, and And one of the things that he says in his speech is that the price was paid by many, by beings we don't even think of as being our equals, werewolves, centaurs, goblins, giants, and house elves. They all fought, all, every bit as much as me or anyone else up here carrying one of these wonderful medals. They fought, and like Professor McGonagall said, some of them died so that all of us could live in a better world. And I think that truly is one of the essences of him was that he really did embrace all of these things that other people were very standoffish about as equal or as at least, you know, being worthy of being around. Another thing about his speech was that he didn't do it alone. He made sure that everyone knew he was not alone. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You've got that accurate view of humanity. We want there to be these outstanding leaders, these Abraham Lincoln, these George Washington. But you've got that Harry's speech where he's saying, I'm not one of these people. I couldn't do it alone. I needed all this help with me. And that's mm-hmm. it's a really good speech. It's a really nice yeah. speech. And then he says, he kind of looks out and he sees his friends. And I'm looking to see if it actually says he saw Jenny. He's looking at her and he says, I was never alone, never. Because he was thinking of her. And then that's kind of the end of it. And, and he, <laughs> I love that Hermione hugs him as hard as Kingsley did. He's kind of got to go through the media, and everybody wants to shake his hand. And Andromeda Tonks, who had left Teddy with, with Molly Weasley's old Aunt Muriel in order to accept a medal for her daughter, happened to walk up just as her sister pressed in from the other side. The two blacks, their features giving witness to what everyone else in their lives had denied, stared at each other stonily, and Harry felt a dull ache shoot through his gut. He couldn't stay silent. 
Thank you, Mrs. Malfoy. My name's Mrs. Honks, he said. Your sister saved my life that night in the forest. If she'd wanted to, she could have exposed me to Voldemort, but she didn't. Mrs. Tonks pursed her lips, but looked her sister in the eye for the first time. Through the throng behind Narcissa Malfoy, Harry could see her husband and her son skulking, looking clearly ill at ease. I'm glad you found Draco, Harry said to Narcissa. I'm glad you found your family. It made me so happy to hear that. So I thought it was really very, it was very big of Harry to be so nice. Narcissa. I think it's two lines after that's the really important. Mm-hmm. That's why he does it. Because Narcissa extends her hand and Andromeda pauses and then takes it. And I think it's that moment which Harry's trying to do. He's trying to reconstruct the remnants of the Black family, bring together these two halves of the wizarding world. The pure blood, ultra-conservative half, and the more more liberal, more free, more modern, as it were, half. He's making a small start in doing that. It's just a really powerful image of those two shaking hands. Yeah, but that also goes back to what I was saying earlier about Harriet consciously wanting to change the the social order. You know, the people need to believe, Harry thought, blinking again, though his mind focused on the memory of that moment. And we had talked about that before, but it's another piece of that. He is conscious of what's going on now and what his role is now. Yeah. And I'm not quite sure that he was conscious of it when all of the other was happening and when he was in his school and when he was growing up. He knew that he was the boy who lived and the person that was going to have to fight him and stuff like that. But I don't think he... I don't think he was conscious of the wider role he had. But now that it's all passed, all the violence, all the simple clear cuts, kill him or he kills you, is passed. There's this wider thing that can open up before him for the rest of his life. Now, this is him living. Mm-hmm. Whereas before he couldn't. Right. Then he meets up with uh, Xenophilius and Luna. I love that he's Xenophilius is like. And so I've learned that I shouldn't be looking for the the Hallows. And is it true that you had the wand? And can I see it? And you know, you can just see he's. I shouldn't be looking for the Hallows. Where yeah. are they? <laughs> just that great way of putting it. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think it really characterized Xenophilius. Oh, I don't know, because I can see him like a almost like a kid in a candy store, because it's something that we know from canon that he was very interested in. He knew the story. He had been looking. And so I could see him just kind of like Dumbledore, who couldn't resist putting the ring on. Yeah, like, that's the thing. That to be that close to it. Like, that's the thing. I think that she could have gone at it with the vision of a kid in a candy store. But she kind of went towards the more shrewd. It even says, then his expression turned shrewd, and he whispered, waggling his eyebrows significantly, are you perhaps hiding it under that rather remarkable invisibility cloak that Luna has told me of? You know, she could have went with it as hidden in a candy shop, you know, absolutely enraptured by this, or Slytherin shrewdness still trying to find it. I think she went with the Slytherin side. And I don't think that characterized him very well. I think it would have been better if he had just been simply enraptured by it. I'm not sure that that is so much um, sliver and shrewdness, because while his expression may turn shrewd, what he says isn't very shrewd at all. It's it's really rather obvious. Mm -hmm. Did you hide it under the invisibility? He's still intensely curious and obsessed with them. So he's going to ask about them and ask about them. But he's not being shrewd. 
Right. And if you go down another two lines, it says, I don't suppose there's any hope of finding the resurrection stone as well, do you? Xenophilius Lovegood looked at the moment, nothing like more than a very old, very excited child. So it is there. It just. I still think that it would have been a bit more canon to downplay that shrewd side. It seemed to me like he was very calculating instead of more enraptured. It's shrewd from his perspective. But from my perspective, what he's saying certainly isn't shrewd. It's the sort of way that a kid might try and wheedle to their parents until they got the candy. He's not being shrewd. He's being, oh, come on, just just a little bit. Just tell me this one thing. I don't know. I mean, I never did that as a kid. <laughs> I was more of the, well, I want it, give it to me. I was kind of more of the straight up kind of person. I didn't try to, like, wheedle anything. If someone told me no, I went to the other person and asked. But there's no other person. Now, who else knows about them? It's only Harry. So his only way of getting at it, if Harry says no, is... Go on, tell me a little bit. Just tell me a little bit. He's got... So his only it. source is Harry. No, that's not true, though. Because you see that he says... He says specifically that Luna has told me of. So obviously that implies that Luna knew. He could have gone to Luna. Luna knows about them, but Luna doesn't seem to know where they are. There's no evidence that Luna knows anything more than the invisibility cloak exists. No, because then you see what she says. Harry gaped. Luna knew about the stone. He had spoken with her about it at Shell Cottage. Yet clearly she chose not to reveal the full truth to her father. What we've just had is Xenophilius asking Harry if the resurrection stone even exists. Not quite if it even exists, but whether it will ever turn up. Right. Luna knows that it has turned up. Luna has to know more than what she's letting on because she turns to Harry and we It just says that she does know, but she's choosing not to tell her father. Okay, I'm down to, like, no time at all, so I want to at least get the joke in because I love this joke. I didn't get it. You didn't get it, the joke? Oh, wait. Okay, well, here, let's try it. Let's do the knock-knock joke. You start it. All right, knock-knock. Who's there? You need to be able to say something. And you don't know what the next line is because you've been suckered into asking the knock-knock joke. Oh! (laughs) Percy's humor is very like Percy. Kind of dry. So I am going to let you guys keep going. Try not to kill each other while I'm gone. I will be back after dinner. Okay. So there's the joke. And then there's the innuendo. Oh, that was funny. That was the part where last week and I thought Jimmy <laughs> had been referring to number 10, right? Okay, now that one I got. And now Harry's all confused if that's what she meant. And so am I. Yeah, Lost Win is also confused. What are you talking about? Daniel, where were you? Okay, last week, Charlie had seen Harry at um, Tonks. At Tonks funeral, yes. And he's like, Ginny wants to finish giving you her birthday present. And I was like, oh, is that number 10? Because one of the previous Peon casts... Uh Number ha. 10 refers to... Right, that, now I understand you know where you're coming from. <laughs> um, say the word, please. Sex. <laughs> Sue, edit that out, please. Do not keep that on there, please. No, keep, keep that whole exchange, and it's just so brilliant. I think they all know that she's going to give it to them. I don't think they know what it is. I think they're just working by implication. How embarrassing would that be, though? Her brothers are all guys. They know what's going to happen. I'm not sure that the birthday present is sex. I wasn't even sure anymore what it meant. (laughs) 
I know, I know that the brothers think it's sex. Harry hopes it's sex. But it, I'm expecting a twist here. But it's even worse with Molly and Arthur just getting into it. But they're thinking Ginny's all innocent. Oh, I'd die on the floor. Oh, they are so naive. It was so cute. I think it's incredibly accurate for Molly. Because she's got that sort of dark sense of humour that she's just going to live this line completely deadpan. Everyone knows that she's joking. As if they would all leave the house, so I don't think they'd all actually really leave the house, especially Ginny having older brothers, so Harry and Ginny can do number 10. But it's cute that they're teasing them about it. That's what makes me think it's not sex, because they are all leaving. Then again, it is it is the hero of the wizarding world. Mm-hmm. Ron's probably going off to get Nucky with Hermione, which is his only reason for not killing Harry over it. Let's talk about Catermull. Because he earlier thought, I wonder what happened to the Catermulls. And yet now, what happened, we see the Catermulls, and they're all doing well. And I especially loved... Um, I mean, it's just really touching. It's one of those sort of moments that just goes, oh look, heartstrings, let's pluck. It's a really touching and really well done moment. What did you just say? With the heartstrings? Oh, heartstrings, let's let's pluck. pluck. Oh, I've never heard that before. How Harry signed it. He said, to the Catermulls, I'm so pleased that you came through together. Yours, Harry Potter. I thought that was a really great thing that he did. I think it's cute how they go to Toronto, proving that Canada is a safe place. I'm almost amazed they go to Australia. (laughs) Toronto or Australia. Um, So does anyone have any, I guess, final thoughts? I like any little paragraphing. Walking across the barren hall towards the police, fingering the metal at his chest, Harry found his thoughts circling around the idea of fame and family and of the bright-eyed face that always seemed to occupy the still place center of his mind. You know, I thought that was just the perfect ending. Yeah, I'm still trying to work out who the bright-eyed face is. Are you because Ginny? Gin, it's Ginny. Ginny does not occupy a still place in his mind. Yes, it does. She occupies a very tumultuous, hormone-driven place in his mind. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's what he was referring to, though. I think that's Luna. Because every time he sees Luna, he goes to that still place. I think Ginny's closest to family. I think that this is a still place, as in a static place rather than dynamic. You know, it's not going to change. It's there. It's always going to be there. It's that one place in your mind where something always is. And it's the same something every single time. The description of his bright-eyed face occupying the still place in his mind. I don't think Ginny does occupy that still place in the same way that you two think. Because I think the word still is very well chosen there. I think it's really carefully chosen to refer to the way he feels when he does look at Luna. Because he gets that stillness. Oh no, 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 no. This is phoenixsong.net. I'm not saying no. I'm not saying it's in, he's in love with Luna or anything like that. I'm saying that she's there because she does make him feel still. Yeah, I see what you mean now, Dan. No, that's I don't see that at all. Well, I don't know. He's kind of converted me. No, because think about it. When you look at Canon, what's the one thing that does calm him down without even having to look at it? It's always Ginny. What calms him down every time in this story? In this story, it's not Ginny who calms him down no. when he sees her. He looks at Luna and gets calmed down. It is still not talking about Luna here. That's con- that is going to completely undermine this entire story. I don't believe that. I still disagree. 
Me too, I think. I'm going to have to... Well, I disagree with you. Okay. <laughs> so, we all agree to disagree once again. Any other final thoughts other than that? You know, I, I did enjoy this. I think that it was very close to canon. It was how I imagined certain themes to be, and I did like it. There were some things that I liked and some things that I didn't like. Do you think you'll end up reading more? Probably. So, should we all say goodnight now? Alright, everyone. This has been Peoncast. Thanks for listening. Good night. Night. Good night. Night. Mm-hmm.